Today's sponsor is Loot Crate. For less than $20 a month, Loot Crate gives the geek in you a special treat every month. You get a box full of six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. This month, we're cowering in fear at the return of villains. Thanks for joining us as we celebrate our darker side with epic items from Marvel, an exclusive DC figure, hell yes, a unique wearable we've never put in a crate before, it's a huge crate, and more. I didn't. That's them saying it's a huge crate. I imagine it's a very big crate. Anyways, this is going to be bad in, you know, the good way. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash kindoffunny and enter the code kindoffunny to save $3 on your subscription today. Also, Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter the offer code KINDAFUNNY at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Game Over Greggy Show. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hi, Greg. Hey, you're wearing your best gray shirt, huh? I'm wearing my gray shirt slash salmon short combo. You haven't let go of VidCon. You were down in VidCon. You haven't let go of the sun and the heat. It's not that I want to let go of the sun and the heat. It's, just, it's hot out right now. It hasn't it let is. go of us. It has it's not. followed us. Everywhere we go, it comes back with us. And I don't like that one bit, Greg. Pure one, Tim Geddes. Hello. Then over here, the Pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. It's good to be here with you, Colin. I like you a lot. Thank you. Are you, are you comfortable over there? I'm fine. Why good. wouldn't I be? You're, you're, you're doing the lean back. I like that. Like you're low riding. Well, I'm trying to just be comfortable. Like fat Joe. You know, Classic okay. Colin Moriarty. Yeah. Classic Colin Moriarty. Vintage. And in the middle, making his return to the Game Over Greggy show, Gary Witta. <laughs> Author. Movie writer. Former video game journal washed out. Couldn't yeah, do the, it. Couldn't the, hack the it. The list runs out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Gary? I'm very well. I'm very glad to be back here. I enjoyed being on here last time yeah. so much that I, uh, you, you, I I was champing at the bit to get back and, and go for round two. First off, good use of champing. That's how you can tell you're a writer. Thank you. You didn't say chomping. Number two, very few people request to come back. Oh, is that right? Yeah. No, I wonder why. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> Most people request we never talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> how many How many return guests have you had? Three max, maybe. Who? No, have we had anyone? Return guests? I think we Andrew have to Renee have. has been on more than one games Gamescast. Game of Grey show. But like might... Aisha Tyler never came back. Oh, Rosenbaum you, you never might be came the first. back. You, you might, might want to look first. at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, we have a survey for you to fill out later. Damon's been back, to, <laughs> Damon. yeah, Damon's been back before. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, most yeah. of the time we just burn the bridge and salt the earth once the show is over. Yeah, I mean, there's always another sucker, right? Yeah. <laughs> Someone else is always going to be on here. Uh, you're back because now Abomination's out. It's here. Yes. It's beautiful. It's a real yes. thing. It's I a- should be on. I'm really not here for, for my health. Last time I was here, I was promoting the book when we were crowdfunding it. Right. And in part because of uh, the influence that this media titan that the kind of funny empire has become yeah. and its influence, uh, we did successfully crowdfund the book and... Uh, it's now been published. It actually officially comes out this week. So we have a we have a 
There's a real thing that we made through the magic of crowdfunding, and this copy is for you. I'll sign it. You can give it away to your audience. That's right. I oh. want you to sign it, and we're gonna we're gonna put it up. Kevin almost fell through the wall. Finally, oh, Jesus Christ, Kevin. I fell into the seat. Okay, Very maybe you should just sit down next time. Hi, this is funner. All right, fine. You sign this, Gary. Do I sign it right now? Yeah. Okay. Is that way people actually know? This is like our certificate of authenticity. If you would like to win this, you need to go over to kindoffunny.com slash forums. Look for the post I'm putting up on the Game Over Greggy show. Sub, what do you call it? Forum thread? Sub forum thread three. Sub forum threads three. There it is. That's real. Show it to the crowd. One of you will get randomly selected from that to get it. I will PM you the details. And I should point out, you cannot even get this now. We did the hardcover version was done just for people when we were crowdfunding the book, and this was for backers. Nice. If you walk into a bookstore, you will find a paperback, but the hardback's very hard to find, so this is actually a limited... That's why it's called It's a hardback. very rare item. Yes, hard, hardback. Yes. Because hard unless you find. backed it, it's oh, hard and the to backing get. Part. That's Man, right. there's so much going into this. See, always I like thinking. it. You're always thinking. I was going to say thinking. real quick, I, I love watching uh, you sign, because you sign with the book... Uh, like kind of held perpendicular to your to your arm. Yeah, I actually, you know, I feel a lot less. I, I've always had this really just kind of like ooh, kind of ha- handwriting <laughs> gesture. It's not very good. Like the way I hold my pen is kind of like that, like just like a like a kind of a malformed claw. And then I don't know why, but ever since I was a kid, I can't write like that. I held, the thing is sideways, and I kind of write. Yeah, it's awesome. Up, Did you down. Did no one notice that? I was I was, I was, I was, I was pretty fascinated. You by know it. who else does that? Obama. No, really? And once I discovered that he's left-handed and he holds his, watch, watch the next time like he signs a bill, he, he's like he's like this, and it's really weird. Now I feel better about it. Yeah, That's good. I thought it was just me. Now and you got to show off your cool watch, so it makes sense. Oh, you're right. Like, you're doing I, cool I like that. Do you Big like your Apple Watch? I'm actually really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I did. Um, it's really weird because it's still it's still rare enough that it's kind of an oddity. Like Walgreens has Apple Pay. And so when I went into Walgreens yesterday to buy those new biscuit and gravy flavored Lay's potato chips that came out. You're a world travel man! As you you do. I wanted to try the new flavors. Yeah. And I bought some other stuff as well. And you do the thing where you just go like that to pay with your watch. And like, you can't do it yet without it being a conversation. Like, oh, like like you just did some magical thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of cool. Mostly what I like it for, the two things I like it for most is when I get a message you just go like that. You just yeah. glance at it. You don't have to take your phone out of your pocket anymore. Sure. And um, I lose my phone a lot. And there's a little <laughs> thing on here where you just, just press the button and it sends a little sonar ping to the phone. Oh. So you can find it. And it has actually, you wouldn't know it to look at me, but it has actually helped me exercise more. Because it gives you a little, you know, you understand the appeal of trophies and stuff like that. You get oh, little, yeah. Big time. Congratulations. You burned this many calories today. Here's a little shiny thing. Like, it totally works. When Mel B's Fitness came out on the PlayStation 3, mm. I thought about going for the Platinum. And then you looked at the list. You're like, this is, these trophies are not good. I'm so not going to work actually out. do it? This is like workout for a year. It wasn't like an attainable <laughs> thing. Crazy Platinum. <laughs> if they, if they would have been like workout for two weeks, by the time you finish the two weeks, maybe I've tricked myself into thinking the it's The one fun. Platinum trophy that will forever elude you. Because <laughs> it actually involves you getting off your ass. All right, Gary. You can All leave right. anytime. Now. Okay. So yes, Abomination's out right now. Yes. Everyone, well, uh, yes. Yeah, so te- the, wh- the show's not live. When does this go out? It's, it'll go up Thursday night for patrons, so they can go buy it right so now. So as of, as of yesterday... This is oh, you can, like go, to, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Barnes and Noble, you can go anywhere, and you should be able to find. Are it. you going to drive around to bookstores on Wednesday looking for it and going in and signing it and like posing? Do you by want it? to go to a bookstore with me and I'll pretend like I don't know you and I'm like, wait a minute. That would be the we you should film you, that you can, for sure. You can be my shill. Yeah, that'd I be awesome. That. I'll totally do that. We'll it's sell like, wow, at least two looks copies. Really interesting. Yeah, we'll sell at least two that way. Um, if you're <laughs> if you're in if you live in San Francisco, I I uh, donated. Uh, two copies to uh, Borderlands Bookstore on Valencia Street in San Francisco. Okay. And I just said, here, look, do whatever you want with them. And so 
they might still be there. I don't know. You can okay. get one that way as well. That's awesome. You don't have to answer your stupid contest. You just well, go there. Well, yeah. Well, you should, you, but not everyone lives in San I'm Francisco. I'm sure on every one of these episodes, Kevin, we've put a link to the Amazon page where it you is, can go buy it. It is. I have to admit, it is. It is definitely a cool in, um, in the description. Oh, I, yes, I'll send you. The I'll link. give you the link. It's a, it, it. It definitely is a thrill. I haven't actually seen it myself, but. Um, there's a lot of retailers for some reason broke the street date. So, like, so people have been sending me pictures going, oh, here's your book on the shelf in like Barnes & Noble in, you know, Whitehaven, Connecticut or whatever. And yeah. It's cool. It's yeah, it's really cool. cool. I like that. Yeah. You've made it, Gary Woda. I've made it. Well, I mean, look. Have you... You're back. Yeah. The evidence is all around you. The only, <laughs> the only guest ever. And I will say, all credit to your show, I got probably more than any other source that was cited People that met people that um, messaged me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, who are interested in the book, said that they heard about it on this show. Good job, best this friends. Show. So you Rapid. are a media influencer now. That's yes. what I was you're, you're we a, made it, guys. Yeah. We're in you're internet superstars. We're a internet tastemaker. Superstars. Damn right. Yes. That. All right. I like that a lot. Now tell all the people. Tell Buffalo Wild Wings that, and then just have them <laughs> deliver the wings here every day. That's what we need. You've not been able to get any traction on that one yet? No, not yet. They're too big for us. They're too big for their riches with their commercials where they're stopping football games and doing stuff. One day, we'll get them. That's the brass ring. <laughs> the spicy garlic brass wing. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Game Over Greggy Show each and every week for sometimes five best friends gather on this table. Each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement. If you like that, go over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny. What are you shaking your head at? I, I like, I just, every once in a while, I, I catch Colin in the confidence monitor over there when we hit the table and and he so obviously just chooses not to hit the table every single time. He's making he makes a point of it. To the point where it's almost a silent protest at this point. Sure. He's not hitting this table ever. It's one of those things happened. where it's not my tradition. Exactly. It's one of those things where Colin <laughs> It's your tradition. This is you've been on the show since episode one. <laughs> but I didn't design no, the tradition. Colin the doesn't want to be a follower of it. And so he wants to march to his beat of his own drum, but now he's become a follower of his own march. Where he can never come back. He's not doing it because he doesn't believe in the pound. He's doing it because he wants to act like he's different. But he's really the same because he won't pound. Thank you. The defense rests. Patreon.com slash kind of funny where we put it up early each and every Friday for you to go get. You get it. You listen. You have a great time. But if you don't have any money to give us, it's no big deal. Head over to YouTube.com slash kind of funny where we break it out topic by topic, day by day. What now? <laughs> Your intellect is dizzying. That, that, that logic I got just him. broke my brain. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a great show for Jesus Nick, everybody. Christ. Day by day until the entire thing posts for free is an MP3 and video there. So I'm going to start with my topic. All right. Okay. And here's my thing about you, Gary Widow. Uh-oh. You, you, You're very tan, Gary Woda. Well, it's like, as you said, it's been hot lately. Yeah, but we, we hide I, indoors. Well, I, I have a vampiric relationship with the sun. And especially right now where it's like, what is it, like 8.30 when it finally the sun finally yeah. starts to go down? It finally goes away. My house, my <laughs> living room, we have, these big, kind of, these, we have these big, big windows and it faces west. So pretty much that, that whole period from like 5 to 8 is just... So we had to buy blackout curtains. Mm-hmm. It was just miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot. I, 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 I much prefer autumn and winter are my favorite seasons. I like it yes. when it gets dark early, when you can kind of like bundle up a little <laughs> bit. Colin's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, my that's people. my favorite part of the I, I mean, it is, you know, it, it feels kind of churlish to be arguing, to complaining about like having hot weather, but I'm not constructed for this kind oh, no. of weather. We all moved to San Francisco because we were promised fall all the time. There's no native San Franciscans here, is that right? Me. Okay. Well, and even as a native San Franciscan, you're not. Used to this oh, kind of hot weather, no. right? You I hate being this. just kind of pleasant and mild. And yeah, cold and just nice. My really nice. Anything over like as soon as you start getting into the seventies, like even at seventy, I'm like enough. I think the high today is seventy-seven. <laughs> yeah, 
It's not See, that's my thing. Being from San Francisco, if it's above 70, I'm like, hell no. If it's below 60, I'm like, god damn it. I just want that nice 60 to 70, <laughs> call it a day, yeah. and that's it. That's what SF should be. But that's what it's supposed to be. Do I need a sweatshirt? Somewhere in the today, I will, so I'll if carry it with me. If I want to. Yeah. Well, we get the we usually get the, the Indian summer in September for like two weeks. That feels like this. Racist. <laughs> it really is. I gotta be honest with you. Uh, so, so, uh, but like, it feels like it just sounds like someone's like Donald Trump saying, "No, no, trust me, it's not racist." I'm just gonna say this racist stuff. But as long as I tell you it's not racist, it's okay. But that term's not, that, that's not the term you guys. Well, I know. Use. We're, yeah, we're yeah, using no, it's nobody says crisscross applesauce summer yet. They've made they've, they've made a movie called Indian Summer. I think. Sorry, so it can't fine. be racist. What's crisscross uh, have to do with this? I don't know. They'll make you jump. Jump. Yeah. yeah no, I know that. We're getting way off track. Okay. But remember oh. last time Troy Baker was here, he said his wife was at a thing with kids, and they said to sit down crisscross applesauce, and she didn't oh, know what yeah. it meant, and then they sat down, and she went, oh, you mean Indian style? And they're like, you can't say that anymore. Uh, oh, bullshit. <laughs> anyway, people are going to be sitting Indian style for hundreds of years, and they're still going to be calling it that, and there's nothing wrong with it, because it's yeah. not offensive. Yeah. But here's the thing I'm trying to say, is that it feels like, it feels like that mid-September Indian summer San Francisco thing that we get for one or two weeks all summer now, and... There's a tinge of humidity mm. that is unusual. Where mm. I come from, we you know, especially where you come from, mm. you know, in New York, it, it's it's fucking horrendous right now, and I would never want to step foot in New York or Long Island ever again between the months of say May and August. Uh, but it feels like I, I I I'm enjoying the weather less, and I'm finding it's more predictable in that it's more hot than mild, and that's becoming a problem for me too. Because Gary Wood and I are on the same level. I want it to be winter all year. Yep, and I don't want any more than maybe three or four hours of sunlight max, the and that's day. probably I want enough where the crops can grow, can grow enough to give you the tomato that you're going to put on your new. Yeah, just salad. enough to sustain life, but no more. Yeah, no, we don't want too much life. We don't want too much life. Yeah, and we don't want too much light. Uh, so I'm looking forward because that's my favorite thing, especially where we live. We live on the beach. Which is, San Francisco is, I think, the only place I've ever heard of in my life where living on the beach is the place you don't want to live. Yeah, you know. Uh, but we live on the beach, and it's it's cold, and the fog rolls in, and it's lovely. I don't, yeah. you know? And it, it's cool, and you feel good in a sweatshirt, yep. whether it's in April Brisk. or whether it's in December. Yeah. Uh, so I, the weather is the best part of San Francisco, and it's, it's you know, I don't know if it's global warming or just this this particular summer. El Nino is apparently on the way, though, so we're going to get a, a wet winter, this time? He's back. Super El Nino? It got super sunny. Yeah, it's the sequel to the original El Nino. Yeah. Apparently we're going to have a, a pretty wet winter. Good. Yeah. We need it. Mm-hmm. All right, so what I want to talk about with Gary Wood. No, that's good enough. Next topic. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically, you keep living all these different dreams, Gary Wood. You wrote a Star Wars movie. You wrote a book. You were a video game journalist. You wrote a movie called Book of Eli that Denzel Washington was in. Yeah, that you're was do- good. You're doing all these amazing things, right? Uh, I'm, I'm here on the Game of Greg. Another dream achieved for the second time. Yeah. So what I want to know is, what is, right now, you're this big-time writer. You can write your own checks anywhere you want. You can go do whatever you I wrote a Star Wars film. They let you write in. They say, here you go. You write. know, pretty much any grown-up can write their own checks, right? You know that. They'll give you a checkbook. Greg doesn't understand how uh, checkbooks <laughs> won't work. won't let me touch the company checkbook. Yeah, he's not allowed to do anything with funds for this company. Ever. I want to know, what's your next dream project? And I, I, I think my what I initially jumped to was like, what is your dream superhero project to take on? Which I want to hear. But then for a long time, you had this thing on Twitter, because you're big on the Twitter. Where you I mean, not, I'm not as big as you. Well, but... sure enough. Few, few are. I'm pretty sure I t- I'm one of the top 10% on Twitter. No. Oh, yeah, you are. That's inaccurate. You are definitely in the Twitter elite. I mean, you're not like Lady Gaga. No. Well, that's what I'm... It's like Lady oh, Gaga, cool. Obama. Uh, yeah, Katy Kel, Perry. Kel. And then it's, yeah. Who's Kel? Kel. Like Keenan, Keenan Kel? Kel. 
Oh, he has a lot of Twitter guy. followers? No, oh. not at all. <laughs> but you are definitely in the upper echelon. <laughs> sure. I'm one of the big deals. At Twitter HQ, my portrait is What are you, like 200,000 followers or something? 250,000. 250,000. And it's like ticking up all yeah. the time. Yeah. I thought we only had five members of this table, but I see the sixth uh, has come you know in. It's really Greg's cool? ego. Did, Did you, you not realize that he was here today? You should get yourself like an LED sign that's like a ticker. Yeah. And it's got a live... Town. It's I see, up all the time. I see a lot of people walking around those electronic shirts that like tell yeah. you what like you sound waves one. are happening just, or just what just kind of weather Twitter systems moving in. Yeah, happening. I should get one of this a live update on my Twitter. Get Wi-Fi yeah. built in this shirt. What I see you do on Twitter is for a while you got close. It looked like your dreams were coming. You are a man who can tweet something and then it almost becomes a reality, it seems. Because you tweeted that you were watching Columbo and you loved Columbo and you loved to work on a Columbo movie and then things started to happen. It was a weird. It was a weird thing that happened last year when I was when I was working on Star Wars. I can't even remember how it happened. I was re, I had happened to be rewatching. Um, it's a cool statement, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was it's working a weird on thing Star last Wars. year while I was working on Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> I happen. I happened to be rewatching. Well, I have, here's how it all started. There was Amazon had a great deal, one of those gold box deals mm-hmm. yeah. on mm-hmm. a, the Columbo box set. And I remember watching Columbo when I was a kid. We had it in the UK. I remember being a big fan of it, but I hadn't seen it in many years. And it was like a crazy, like 80% off Black Friday kind of deal. Sure. And I don't really buy DVDs anymore because, you know, who needs who does the that? stuff cluttering up the house? Yeah. I mean, the reality, and in fact, all of Columbo, pretty much, not, not all of it, almost all of it is on Netflix. What and is if, Columbo? Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> I no, bet no, you there's no, a lot of people remember, that don't no, know. To be fair, to be fair, Columbo was a series that was probably almost a little bit before my time mm. as well. But I mm. remember growing up watching because yes. it ran forever. Yes. Was but it, it on Nick at Night? It ran in syndication forever, but I don't know when the last episode actually ran on network television. Was it a sequel it was to probably MASH? early 80s. No. Was it MASH? <laughs> yeah. Did I have anything to do with the monsters? Everything's either a prequel had, or a sequel to MASH. It had nothing to do with the monsters. Imagine, Nor did it, I'll, I'll save you right now. It had nothing to do with Magnum P.I. either. Damn, all right. Nothing to I'm do out. with it, it was the best detective series there could have been. Oh, okay. He had a trench coat. He was a private mm-hmm. eye. He acted like he didn't have it together. Yeah. He acted he like totally a complete idiot, It's actually. the best. I, I, I would confidently say it's the best American detective show ever made. Mm. And I can say that without fear of contradiction. It is on Netflix. You should watch it. It's okay. an easy find. I know this information, but I don't want to screw it up and it's not there. What's the name? Peter who? Peter Falk. Peter, Peter Falk. Falk. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. By the way, and if you're here, Google, you know, Maurice LaMarche, uh, Brain from Pinky and the Brain, oh, yeah. a million other cartoon characters, does one of the best Peter impressions you'll ever see. You don't even have to watch it. We should watch you, to see it. I'm going to give, give you yes. a very, very, very quick Columbo primer. Okay. So good. that you'll be able to participate mm-hmm. in the rest here of the conversation. And this will be for anyone out there who hasn't seen it too. Again, it's on Netflix. Go see it. Um... The big innovation that they did with Columbo was it wasn't a murder mystery. They actually showed you the murder. They showed you the murderer committing the murder at the beginning of every episode. So it was no mystery to the audience who had committed the murder and why. You saw it all up front. And then Columbo, who was an LAPD homicide detective, played by Peter Falk, would show up, sometimes not until like 15, 20 minutes into the... Actually, they were 90-minute... People don't remember this. Columbo wasn't like an hour-long detective series that went on every week. It was a 90-minute... Really? Uh, each episode's a ni- basically a feature-length film hmm. that once you had the commercials, it plays out over the course of like two hours on mm. television. So it was on from like 8 to 10 or whatever every Sunday. Not every Sunday, but every few Sundays. They didn't do it weekly. But the first... Because they had all that time, the first 15 minutes of the show was just setting up the crime. Mm-hmm. And like you would see the guy commit the murder or the woman, whoever it was, and then you would see all the clever ways in which they had covered their tracks and basically made this murder 
unsolvable. The or perfect like, crime. Yeah, it was the perfect crime. Like there were very, and it was always some kind of genius, very clever person who had done the murder, and they had covered their tracks absolutely brilliantly. And then Columbo would show up, and again, you already know the guy's the murderer. So the mystery, the fun of the show is not trying to figure out who the murderer is. It's watching Columbo engage in this battle of wits with the murderer to break him down and find the faults in his story and figure out and eventually nail him. And they would always have this moment at the end of the show called a gotcha where, where Columbo would trick the guy the Scooby-Doo into, moment. Yeah, he would, like yeah. Reveal, he would reveal how he had done the like, oh, One more thing. Yeah, no, Remind that's what, that's me. That's what it always was. <laughs> so this was and and, and here was the great genius of it is that it was all, it, I think it was actually kind of a show about class warfare in a way. And it, the people that... He never... Busted just like normal. It was always like a rich author or a business magnate or a sports champion or a, like a you know an orchestral mm-hmm. maestro. Like always like people from like the higher reaches, like the upper echelons of American society. And they had committed some horrible murder. And Columbo would show up, and he was very illustrative of the working class. Like he was famous for wearing this rumpled old raincoat, which I think now is in the Smithsonian or something. Like, it's became really? like an iconic thing. And he would smoke this cheap old, you know, stub end of a cigar. And he always had like a kind of hunched over kind of demeanor. And he was scruffy. He had a glass eye because Peter Falk, the actor, really did have a glass eye. Um, and there was just something very... Whoa. <laughs> there was just something very kind of like sad and working class. And like you would look at him and think like, how is this guy going to solve anything? He just mm-hmm. doesn't look like a very smart man. A real promo still from Columbo. <laughs> really? Yeah. Let's, see, let's see the picture? Yeah, so that's Columbo. Hmm. Kevin, I'll send it to you. <laughs> it sounded so much cooler until I saw him. But it's still awesome. Oh, wait, but wait until you see him play okay. the part. Yeah, that's, that's the part of it I think that's cool, is that he's unassuming. Yeah. So he's so unassuming, and it's actually a role, it's a part that he's playing, that the Columbo the detective is basically playing the part of a guy who's not very smart. Hmm. He's kind of playing intellectual possum with you, and he's allowing the murderer who thinks he or she is so smart to get comfortable enough with him that he'll start to... The little gaps in the story will emerge. And so it's this game of cat and mouse, but what you'll always realise by the end of the story is that Columbo is a fucking genius. He is the smartest motherfucker in the room. He misses (laughs) nothing. And he practically... He pretty much knows who the murderer is like from minute one. And it's just a question of how he's going to prove it. And here's the other great thing about it and why it's such an interesting historical artefact is that each week... The murderer was played by a really big star like Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, Johnny Cash, John Cassavetes, um, Robert Vaughn. All these great stars of the era, like the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, would play the murderer. Like they were the guest star every week. Donald Pleasance. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So it was always like this great like battle, of, like, the, the, just kind of really hamming it up, kind of great acting. But the mysteries were, so they, they, again, the first 20 minutes were like, Good luck solving this motherfucker because this guy's covered all his tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Columbus met his match. Yeah. <laughs> but then he would come in and just break it down, and by the end had like had got the guy like just stone cold, like red-handed for murder. Yeah. And it was brilliant to watch. Not every single episode is gold, but most of them are really good. And there are some. I'll I'll, I'll do you a top ten list if you cool. just want to like, like watch the list. I'll yeah. do you a top ten do list that on of the like forums. stone cold. Yeah. <laughs> Classics, yeah. Where you think he's committed the perfect crime, and Columbo just takes it apart. And that was the genius of it. Like he presented himself as someone who wasn't very smart, who would allow you to feel comfortable around. He's like, this guy, this mm-hmm. is who they've sent to investigate me. I'm one of the smartest men in the world. This guy's not going to get me. And by the end, Columbo has fucking got him like sobbing because yeah. he's got him every every which way, like stone cold proof. And it's genius. And Peter Falk is a genius, and he played the role for many many years. But became one of the one of the truly great all time iconic. Detectives. I'm actually amazed that this is... He's so young, though. Well, no, so here's the thing. I actually... 
myself are very similar to Columbo. I was playing with you. I knew all of this. I just wanted you to explain it so eloquently for the to the audience. fans and oh, audience out there. You're a proxy for the audience. Yes. yes. So you're a Columbo. He's I am a Columbo okay. myself. He's the yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you kind of Columboed really me are. then. Mm -hmm. you, you reverse Columboed yeah. me. I've reversed Columbo. Is you my allowed specialty. me to think that I was yeah. better, more knowledgeable than you, mm -hmm. and now you emerge. How great would it be if Tim rolled up his sleeve and had a Columbo tattoo? Let me take out my eye, guys. Wow, that'd be amazing. So you watched him on Netflix. I want to make sure. I want to make sure that he's not backtracking. Oh, I'm totally joking. Oh, he's, I he's, had he's, no he's idea never heard of Tim Lumbo. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> now, I, now I don't know which one it is. No, I did not. Know. You did not. You Definitely. had him convinced. You, like you had him convinced. Oh, that's really so funny. So Columbo's, Columbo's catchphrase, which was very famous, he was just gotcha, like, motherfucker. Well, he would always. <laughs> he would always say, "Well, thank you very much, Mr. Celebrity Murderer. I think you've answered all my questions." This all looks, you know, the, the you know, well, obviously, clearly, we'll be investigating someone else. We know now that you're not the guy. He would lull him into like the forces sense of security, and he would walk towards the door. And what would he do, Greg? Wasn't he would turn he around, just one, one more, and he would say, "There's just one more thing." And then he would like drop the bomb. He's like, "There's one piece of evidence, or this one thing that he said, one floor he found in his story that just blew it all away." This he'd sounds like, awesome. He'd be like, "I found this gun in yeah. this coffee cup here, sir, and I don't. It says your name on it." The guy's like, "Fuck! I forgot about the gun in the coffee cup." So as you can see now, Tim's never heard of Columbo. He, he's got the pitch now. He's in love with Columbo. Yes. You were watching Columbo, and you realized this could work for a modern day audience. Um, well, I mean, it didn't even. It wasn't even. An I was just enjoying Columbo. I was watching it, and I was getting back into it. And I was working my way through the DVDs, and I, and, and I was kind of just remembering, like, damn, this was a really good show. Yeah. And again, mm -hmm. because it's like, you look at it now, and it's very much an artifact of the 70s, and people, you know, the fashions and the music and the style of it, just, you know, it's easy to kind of be off, be put off by it. But if you just give it a chance and get into it, the, the performance of Peter Falk and the cleverness of the cases, I mean, they're just so intricately constructed, the mysteries. They're like Swiss watches, and they always pay off brilliantly at the end. Mm -hmm. It's such a good show. And, you know, I'm in a business where I'm very much aware of the fact that everything's being recycled and brought back all the time. I was like, why has never, no one ever tried to do this? And I think part of the reason why is because Peter Falk was basically made the character of Columbo so much his own mm -hmm. that probably more than any other part, like the famous character in American culture, it's very, very difficult to imagine anyone else ever doing it. Mm. It's like, if it's not, Peter Falk died, you know, many years ago, and there's just, if it's not Peter Falk, then you can't do it. Columbo is Peter Falk, and Peter Falk's Columbo. And that I think that's the reason why no one's ever really tried to do it because it would always seem like heresy to try and step into that role and, and continue what Peter Falk had created. And then I saw I had just happened to see a picture of Mark Ruffalo, where mm. Mark Ruffalo already has kind of a passing similarity to Peter Falk. He has kind of the scruffy hair, and mm -hmm. and there was a particular picture of him that I, he was he was it was some other news story like Mark Ruffalo is going to come back for the next Avengers movie or whatever. And the picture they I was like, my god, he looked, and I had been watching Columbo and it just came together like, if anyone could do it, Mark Ruffalo could would just kill it, mm -hmm. and I kind of got excited about the idea. And like, you know, again, I actually, there are, there are people that I know that I can call and see like, are there rights available? Like, you know, could we try and do something? And so I started putting some feelers out there and I tweeted something about it on social media. And I tweeted this picture of Mark that was where he just had this uncanny resemblance to, to, to Columbo. And I said, this would be really cool. And Mark Ruffalo tweeted back, oh yeah, I've been wanting to do that for a long time. I would love to play Columbo. <laughs> and so then it started to get... <laughs> And so then it started to get... I haven't heard it, but apparently he does an absolutely flawless Columbo impersonation. Again, when you watch it, you'll notice that 
so much of the part is like Peter Falk has all these great little ticks and little things that he does that just became part of the character. It's a very, not easy, but like if you're going to do an impression, there's a lot there to work with. Mm -hmm. Like the way that he's just constantly like scratching his head and like always kind of looking confused and befuddled. But in reality, he's like fucking 10 moves ahead of you. You just don't know it. Um, And so I thought this could be the guy. And and when he responded, I was like, oh, shit, like that's the verified Mark Ruffalo and he's very active on Twitter because Mike Ruffalo is someone who very, very doesn't usually like promote his movies, but he's really into like water preservation and ecological issues, and he uses his Twitter account for those issues. Mm-hmm. But then he was he, just at VidCon last week with us. He's a really cool guy. Yeah, and he said, "Oh yeah, I would love to. I, I've been wanting to do that for a long time, but like I don't know like what the deal is with the rights." And so that that then got picked up by you know some of the media yeah. blog film sites and stuff. Uh, the Guardian picked it up, like Huffington Post. It became like a 24-hour story. And then people started calling me, saying, like, is this a real thing? And I didn't know. I had, like, a very brief conversation with with Mark about it. He was doing press for uh, whatever movie it was at the time. It's a small movie st- called Avengers 2. And, yeah. No, it was, it, was, it was whatever it was he was doing a year ago. Uh, and people started, it was like one of these smaller films maybe, but people started cornering him like on the on the red carpet saying, what's this about you playing Columbo? And he's like, oh yeah, it's one of those social media things that blah, blah, blah. I would love to do it, but like, I have no idea if it's a real thing. Um, so, and there was one point we had t-shirts made, people started sending like dummy mock-up posters of like Mark <laughs> Ruffalo in the Columbo raincoat, and it just, it just felt so right, like this could be a thing. We had an initial conversation with NBC and they basically shut it down and said, we just don't want to do it, like... They're doing Kojak with Vin Diesel. They're doing the Kojak with they Vin Diesel. They are doing Kojak with I Vin Diesel. Wow. They're doing some other stuff. They're like, whatever our, whatever our. Real quick, was Kojak telling some Tim's of us? nodding at the camera. You have no idea what this show is. Kojak? Yeah. I don't care what Kojak is. <laughs> it's Vin Diesel, and you're gonna see it. Yeah. Basically, it's what, that's what that's that nod that meant. Kojak's another detective series from the yeah, series. Yeah, I, I, I know. I knew that. Good. I knew that from VH1's hit series. I love the series. Was it? Who loves you, baby? Yeah, was yeah, lollipop. Was, yeah. was it Tully? Not Tully Savalas. Tully Savalas. Tully Savalas. They already brought it back once with Ving Rhames. There was a TV oh, reboot of Columbo with Ving Rhames. Right. But now they're doing it. They, well, they want Kojak. to do it as a movie with Vin Diesel. And I guess their thought was, well, we're already bringing back one seventies cop show with a comic yeah. star. Like, let's not do too many of these. Mm-hmm. But. So it kind of lay fallow for a while because I had plenty of other things to be doing. It just turned into like it was a fun story for a week, mm-hmm. and then it kind of went away. I want to reignite it right here. Yeah, well, I want this. Well, let's get a detective cinematic universe going on. So then Kojak and uh, Columbo, Columbo Technically, it was Kojak in LA. The also? DCU. Yeah, I like good. it. The detective cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're putting a tweet on the screen right now. This is what you tweet at Mark Ruffalo. And we'll make sure it happens. Kevin, write it down so that it happens. Kevin's on it. I see him right. He's I on. It. I don't know what Kevin's doing. He's look at him. There was he's, actually he's a hash- when he There was actually sitting. a hashtag for well, I think it was like Ruffalumbo or something. Where like it became Ruffalumbo. Ruffalumbo. That is good. Oh, man, if I oh, was not no. sold, I, I, I love because he played it because I remember the interview that he did. They said, "What's this about you playing Columbo?" He went, "Oh yeah, Ruffalumbo. I'm really into that." Like he totally just owned it and thought it was hilarious. But again, behind the scenes, my understanding is like he like. He would actually do it if you know it was if it was the right way to do it. Sure, like, sure, sure, sure. It. Now let he's, me ask you this: what, what would your take on it be? Would you try to set it as a period thing, or would it be modern day? There's, there's set in the far flung future. Too, it's too early to say. The initial thought was to to bring it up to date. Yeah. Then there's an, there's another angle that I've heard that I think is very interesting, which is to set it in the original continuity of. Columbo, like you would put it back in like the late seventies oh. and just do it as a period piece. Yeah. There's like many, that. there's many different ways you can. Do you like that idea? I like that idea. There's many different ways you can you can do it. But part, of, kind of part of what maybe got it going again is Josh Trank 
who directed Fantastic Four, which is coming out in a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. briefly was associated with the Star Wars films, I became friendly with him. And he is like the biggest Columbo fan <laughs> on the planet. So what happened was, after I started talking about um, Columbo online, he sent me this massive long email saying, I was going to send you this email about how you should never bring back Columbo because I'm a huge fan of it. And like Peter Falk, I was, used to be one of those guys like Peter Falk is the only Columbo and he died, Columbo died, and it would be sacrilege to ever put anyone else in that role. But then I was thinking, man, Ruffalo, like that's the guy that could actually do it. And he got excited about it. So there is actually a renewed effort at the moment. There's me and Josh and a couple of other people who are kind of in the wings on it who are trying to figure out if there is actually a way to do it. I mean, that's there a pretty strong development group right there. The, I, the, <laughs> the, way, the, the, the way that we would want to do it is like as a, a limited event series. Like you'd put it on like Netflix or yeah. HBO or whatever. You wouldn't do like 22. Because again, the original Columbo was never that. It was they did like seven or eight a year, and they were like little mini mm-hmm. TV movies, kind of like the way so Sherlock's like done. Sherlock, now. So yeah. Sherlock is the current. We've used that analogy as well. Sherlock's kind of the current. They only do three a season, yeah. but they're like these event things. Yeah. And my part of the argument is, I guarantee you, if you did this today, the in just in the same way that you had like William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and Johnny Cash and these big stars back in the day, who were the murderers, you would get. I bet you. Like, the A-list stars of today oh, yeah. would be fucking lining up mm-hmm. to be busted by Columbo. Because that's the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as these as these Columbo murderers, like, watch, like, the William Shatner. You think William Shatner, like, goes over the top? Wait, wait until you see him play a murderer on Columbo. Like, they just chew up the scenery. <laughs> and it's just, just d- delicious to watch. Watch the Johnny Cash episode. I mean, they just got everyone. And I, I think, like, today you would get, like, fucking George Clooney and, like, the big stars of today would, like, come in. And it's just a huge amount of fun to do it. Mm-hmm. And Mark clearly is the guy to do it. Josh wants to do it. I want to do it. There are a couple of people that want to do it. Mark, I know, in principle, wants to do it, but is, like, super booked up. And I think also would, like... I think his attitude would be, like... Cause we haven't had a real conversation with him yet. But like, he'd be like, yeah, I'm open to it, but like, i got to hear like what the actual idea is. Like, I'm just going to We're going to send him this video. Up. He'll see this video. He'll know. <laughs> so we have, we have all these ideas. We're super excited about it. It's one of those things that like we're constantly kind of just, whenever we have like a free moment, we'll try and push it. But it's not like, it's not like an active development. But yeah, that would be a dream project it's to such bring a f- back Columbo. It's such a fun idea, though. I was just listening to an interview uh, about Wet Hot American Summer. Are you familiar with that oh, film? Yeah. yeah. Now they're doing the, the Netflix series, uh, and they got it every comes sing- out like tomorrow. Yeah, yeah the I, same day this posts on Patreon. Yeah, I got, they got everyone to come back for it, including yeah. some stars, just because it's such a fun, silly idea that I think people are and there's to do so, it. And one of the things that I discovered is, like, not, again, I think that you would get like these big stars that want to do it, because these are all the guys that, you know, who grew up with the original Columbo and love Peter Falk and consider it one of the great, you know, one of the great monoliths of kind of American television history. There's mm-hmm. no doubt Columbo is one of those one of those great shows, um, and it has a very storied place in American TV history. Um, but not just that. I mean, even among people of our generation, people of the older generation, there's a tremendous undercurrent of affection out there for it. Like once we once we surfaced this idea, and Mark responded to it, and it got like a little bit of play in the media. People were just coming out of the woodwork going, oh, my God, fucking Columbo, I love that show. It'd be so cool if you brought it back. So I feel like the audience is there for it. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes with these, the difficulty is often when, you know, at some point there is there is somewhere at in Universal City at NBC, there's a guy who has, like, the Columbo rights sitting in a drawer, not necessarily literally, but figuratively. This is the were. guy that says, yeah. yes, I give you the keys to Columbo. And that's the guy you have to convince. Right. Mm-hmm. Until you can convince that guy, 
nothing gets done. Right. Um, we'll show him this episode. He'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Figure out who that guy is, yeah, so and we'll have all the great Ruffalo. You've watched this Twitter far, and I tweeted at him. Yes, Ruffalumbo. Or it was, I think it was on it. Or it's Columbolo or something like that. We'll look into it. We'll make sure that the, the tweet that we're putting back up better. right now will be perfect for but social But I will media. send you, and if you want to put it on the site, for anyone out there who may also be interested in discovering a great show, which they missed just because it was from a different era, like I said, it is all on Netflix. You know who directed the pilot episode of Columbo? Hmm. Steven Spielberg. No way. No shit. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like there people might relate that are younger, because Columbo was like a thing that I, I, I was born in 84, so it was, it was over by the time I was born, but it was in syndication. It was but you TV remember watching stuff. it, right? Yeah, Me too. yeah you, you, of course, you remember that iconic character, but I feel like Monk was supposed to be a kind of... Monk, it, in some ways, was the spiritual yeah. successor. Like, because I, I love, I am a fucking huge fan of that show. I think Monk is fucking brilliant. And it really is, like, in talking about it and thinking about it, because I had not really thought about Columbo in a long time, where it's like, yeah, the quirky, like, in Monk, Monk is OCD and fucking, he's a nut job, right? right? And, like, and he, everyone knows he's really smart, but no one trusts him, and he's, and he's just a crazy dude, and he solves the crime. And they show it in the beginning of the episode, although they don't show who did it. Right. And, and they proceduralized uh, Columbo with, with right. that, I think. In, right. some, in some respect, 20% there, not 100% sure. there. Sure, sure, sure. But it just reminded me of that. So people relate to that show because I know there's a lot of younger people that do like Monk a lot um, and and Psych. I know Monk. Um, then maybe this is something that would appeal to them as well. So you would even get that younger generation if you, because everyone loves detective and legal shit. Like like oh, yeah. whether it's a good wife or oh, yeah. whether it's whatever whatever it is. Boston public. I'm going, going back to the the, so the idea Boston Boston the, cla- the class struggle idea. Part of the reason why I think it's a show that's relevant uh, as relevant, if not more so today than it was then. Is it really played into this idea of like Columbo was like kind of the working class kind of schlub, you know, who drove a piece of shit car. Like there's an episode where he has to go into like a church where they run a soup kitchen to get uh, to, to interview someone. And, they, and, the, and the nuns like sit him down and want to feed him because they think he's a homeless guy that's coming <laughs> off the street. Because that's what he looks like. Yeah. Like he's just so kind of shambolic. And again, but that's part of his act, right? He's lulling you into a false sense of security. And every week you had the status because the kind of kind of people that he got assigned to every week, it was like some, you know, millionaire banker or like a movie studio executive or like a famous, you know, author or an actor or a musician. Like Johnny Cash basically played himself in that episode. Or like Leonard Nimoy played like a top heart surgeon who killed someone. And so when they get him at the end, it's not just the satisfaction of getting the guy, but it almost felt like like the little guy. Like the guy who's one of us, the schlub, yeah. bringing down the guy that was who thought that he was too smart mm-hmm. for the law to touch him, and so there's that great I sense could, of triumph at the end when he brings him down. I gotta think that if if because you know how Netflix, you turn on Netflix and you, you, maybe you haven't heard of something, but you you, you see the promo image for whatever the new series is. I gotta think that if I were to see Columbo with Mark Ruffalo's image on it, just that word and that face, I would absolutely add that to my queue and watch every episode. of it. Ruffalo's one of those guys every I will time. I will watch it, like the random stuff he's in. Like well, I the, I don't remember my the wife title. Went and saw Begin Again, which is that movie. I think he's that a terrific, he, terrific actor. But it's one of I don't remember Begin Again, but there was one you know Amazon. I, I watch a lot of movies on Amazon, buy and rent them there or whatever. And there was one that popped up where he's like a sex addict. That I never heard of. And I was right. like, all right, download. And I was like, this is great. I he's so that was good. Begin again, but I could be wrong. Was it? I could be wrong. Okay. No, he's really, really good. I think of all the Avengers guys, he's my favorite. Like, he's sure. just, just a great. Well, he's uh, a great actor. A great Bruce Banner. And again, if you go back and watch like some of the smaller indie films that he's in, he's terrific. Yeah. Um, and like I said, he's a Columbo fan, and he had, I, again, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm reliably informed by people that, that know him uh, that like he he can do like he so do Columbo, and he doesn't. It's just yeah. Just stunningly, like uncanny, how good he is at it. So it's that's something we want to do, but we'll see. It's very, very difficult when you're dealing with pre-existing rights, but it's that's. I guess if I have a dream project, that would be it. I'm offering fr- free services for you here. That we'll get Mark Ruffalo 
and then you can write the trailer, and we'll film the trailer and put it up on our on our YouTube channel. You're gonna get Mark Ruffalo to show up to film a trailer yeah. at this house. You got to bring more of your British snacks. Yeah, that's how we get anyone. <laughs> we like, keep them left over from last time you were well, here. Well, again, you know, like I said, the last time that this was a thing, like a year ago, like if you type in Mark Ruffalo Colombo, I guarantee you'll see a ton of media on it because it got it was a thing for like forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, who knows? We may we may yet reinvigorate it here. I get we're still in the fires. Mark Ruffalo's watched this entire video. He's watching right now. He went to VidCon. He understands YouTube. We were at VidCon. He's gonna come. He's like, okay, yeah, some British snacks. I'll come out there and do it with you guys. Yeah, we'll bribe him with hobnobs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, if, Mark, if you haven't had a hobnob. Oh, I was gonna because you liked you know, you know how I brought you those hobnobs, yeah, those chocolate hobnobs. Yeah, I I, I bought some more to bring you and today. You ate them all before you could, and, and I ate them. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. I, I like that you saw it coming. I totally would do the same thing. You put them aside, all pretty, so, and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. But you know the thing is, they give you the the way it is. They give you the kind of the, the resealable plastic mm-hmm. lid, yeah. which is coming. Who are we kidding? No, no, it's you coming know? off. The stage. Throw it away. I was sitting around. I was watching. Um, some shite on TV and I had my hobnobs and I was like okay, I'll just have a couple like Greg's not going to mind if there's a couple missing yeah, you'll yeah, understand yeah. next thing you know God. no hobnobs empty yeah. tube crumbs all down mm. me mm-hmm. just pure shame people keep asking for the return of Oreoration because there's all these new flavors out oh, and the yeah. problem is that new flavors come and we just eat them <laughs> before oh, no. we can film you them have, you have no idea how dangerous that was you left the Oreos in my car yeah I know you were like Nick just bring them up tomorrow and I, I mentioned that to my wife I was like we've got these Oreo fins and I think they're mint and she was like go get them right oh, now oh so I wanted to ask go you about what right your stance we haven't, had, we haven't had the fins Ori- yet. But but just, you know, I on principle. principle yeah. On principle, I don't mind it. I, really? I thought you'd be, like, really against it. But, I mean, you understand that, like, <laughs> Oreo has been, like, genetically modifying their cookies for years. Now, I'd, I had mega stuff. I had the soft cookie ones that were ter- the cakesters. Don't yeah. get the cakesters. But Oreo, the, Ore- the evolution of Oreo level. has always been about you go from double stuff to mega stuff. Yeah. And then didn't they have like a club Tri- sandwich one? Like a triple decker. decker. Yeah, the triple decker. You know, decker. so it's always been about like going this way. Like now, it feels like they're de-evolving. Sure. As they get thinner. But have you ever had a cookie crisp? <laughs> one of these cookie chips. Not not the cereal, sorry. The cookie chips. Have you had cookie chips? They I mean, sell I guess them in your grocery. They're way overpriced. Like, and they're fucking crack The cocaine. thing is, the original Oreos... <laughs> The original Oreos aren't going anywhere, right? No. If they said, oh, God, no, if they no, no, said no, no, like, no. this is the new Oreo... Then I would have flipped the table and stabbed There'd be fucking riots Nick. in the streets. Yeah. Why yeah. you stab me? Why, why, why would you stab there me? Needs to be so stab side, brother. There needs to be a cadence set for what I'm going to do. And I'm going to murder people. So you're right here. The table gets flipped. You get stabbed. Right, By well, the time No one can react. Nice I'm out everyone. the door. And okay. I'm, I'm running to Nisco HQ. I'm sorry if you're watching this, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo is our... Mark Ruffalo, we want to flip the table and stab you. Now just come not, here so and eat our cookies. Why not get ahead of yourself a little bit? And when you go to get the new Oreos, yeah. get you know a, a packet that is for the oration, then get another one that you can just eat. Because that doesn't solve the problem. The you old, know that as well as we do. The We're old days, eat both. Remember, the, old, the original idea was it was my first time ever eating them. Uh, and then Goldfarb was here one day staying at our house, and he wanted to try the s'mores, and then that opened up the cotton candy, and the next thing I know, we wake up naked with no Oreos. We didn't know what's happening. Jesus. There crumbs so everywhere. Bertillo's just licking things. Do you eat your clothes, too, I don't or? know. <laughs> <laughs> So is Oreo Oration done now? Oh, no, it'll be back. Okay. Yeah, we have a whole bunch so of you haven't do. done one in a while. Yeah, yeah, How many yeah. flavors have you missed? Oh, Because they, 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 they come out with new ones quite regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in terms of the big ones, we're like two behind. Every now, it's, it's gotten just, again, just on principle, it's got very hit and miss for me. For every new one they bring out, I go, ooh, there's another one I'm going like, mm-hmm. really? That sounds yeah. disgusting. Like yeah. watermelon? Fruit punch was a really They do it for the headlines. They do it to like yeah. make the, the oh watermelon yeah, cotton candy what was the, a little wild. The one that I really that? wanted to try that I felt I missed out on was like the ginger snap one because I think that was like a Walmart exclusive. Oh, mm-hmm. the ginger. We're getting one? the exclusives yeah. now. Yeah, Targets oh, yeah. really. Targets oh, been oh, running yeah. an exclusive game for a long time. My God, yeah. we're getting off topic. Though. We still get like pre-order bonuses. It's like video, and stuff. It's like video games. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. 
Everybody give uh, do the tweet. Get Columbo rights. Get Mark Ruffalo in it. Give it to Gary Whitta. So you'll figure out what the what this is. Yeah, I will yeah. crafted it. If you're listening date. to the MP3, we will put it in the publishing description. Kevin, Mark so Ruffalo's Twitter name is just Mark Ruffalo. I'll so solve that by the time we get figure, there. You'll yeah, figure by out. then I would have yeah. known. Yeah, look worry, up Mark that. Ruffalo and find out what his Twitter name is. We know we don't. <laughs> Kevin, and then and then call NBC and find out who has the rights to Columbo and tell him to open that drawer up and give it to Gary Whitta. Okay, Kev. All right, thanks. Kevin says he has no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Tim, As always. Yes. What's your topic? All right. So we just spent the last, I don't know, million years at VidCon. Oh. Yeah. And uh, this is our fourth, fifth VidCon? Something like One that. One of the two. And uh, we've seen it kind of evolve from being a really weird thing to a much bigger really weird thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, VidCon's always been interesting to me because there's two extreme sides and to it. And explain what VidCon is, yeah. All right. VidCon is essentially the E3 for YouTube stuff. YouTube stars, YouTube making its own announcements of like new stuff for its platform and all that. But you said something really interesting to me that it's not so much the E3, it's more the GDC of the YouTube world. Right. It's a game, so, which is the game developers conference. And the idea is that people who make content out on their own and these different groups come together to share knowledge and be like, hey, they, they give panels at VidCon mm-hmm. saying, like, here's how a better way to monetize. Here's how to use Facebook better. Here are the success strategies we found. Right. However, so they have like panels and seminars. Exactly. And so there's this business side of it, but then there is this fan driven show floor by community pass. Come get an autograph from I Justine. Come yeah, see the, the guys from Real Time. almost more like Comic Con or something. Mm-hmm. Was, right. Like, well, so that's the thing. It's a, it's a really unique event in the sense that there's like di- multiple levels to it and depending on which pass you get you can get onto different levels and they really do have it set up where the bottom floor is community and it is just I'm going there to scream and fanboy or fangirl out about these little British singer boys then the the second level is more like here's for the the create people that are actually making their own content to learn about something and then the third level is for the the much bigger people Industry. to industry people to learn how to do to make more money on what they're doing or to find out what's the next big thing like everyone's talking about snapchat which is like at this point like a year old and all the kids are using it but it's like here's how you should use it for your stuff or periscope or god knows whatever else they'll push it now but um it's interesting because there's this really wide gamut of different types of people there for different reasons now we started there with ign which was like we kind of came in at the top level Mm -hmm. but we as kind of funny were at the bottom so I feel like over the last couple of years, we've kind of like met in the middle somewhere. Right. And weirdly ended up on the top where me and Nick were giving a industry thing. We were giving a panel. We were given industry thing. We, we, we were given an industry panel to <laughs> the to creators. So we were telling people like how to integrate brands into their yeah. content and stuff, which is just ridiculous that people actually cared. We had a packed room. We did have really a packed room. That was that was a fascinating thing. When we came in at IGN, we came in thinking, um, and this was largely me uh, as well as everyone else, but came in kind of assuming that we weren't going to. Well, no, <laughs> this I, was I, largely I, me. So I came in and everyone else. <laughs> I came in Good. assuming this is not a compliment for myself that I knew everything. And that uh, yeah. what was this VidCon thing going to teach me that I at IGN, being a senior video producer at IGN who had built this um, giant team and we drove millions of numbers, was going to learn. And it was a very big eye-opening experience because there's a whole other community out there that's not traditional online media. That's not the the GameSpots, the IGNs of the world. There are a bunch of individual contributors that have these gigantic audiences that have nothing to do with that and don't want to be necessarily be a part of that world. They have their own thing going on. And so that was really eye-opening. So when we went there, first, when you, when you talk about evening out, that's how it's sort of been a, for me is letting go of all those expectations and that ego of working at a place like IGN and really starting from grassroots and forming our own 
um, audience and then meeting on that level, which I feel like we were for the first time there now, coming there, getting recognized a little bit, but also being seen as creators in that community and not the IGN guys anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what's amazing, though, is it, there is a very big – like there's a line between those fans and the professionals, and you can see that at the Hilton Bar. Which is like there's a there's a bar at the Hilton, which is right by the convention center, and all of the industry goes there if you're over 21 and you have a cocktail and you can meet. But then on the outside of it is everyone that's underage that's just waiting to fanboy out about like to see someone and scream real quick. Well, and not just get the fans, audience. but a lot of a lot of the stars are underage, right? Yeah, I mean, that's there's very like 14, true. 15, yeah. 16 year old kids who have got massive um, audiences and are actually becoming quite rich doing this. Yes, but even them really though, like, they they're still in the bar section. Even they might not be getting drinks, but they'll be sitting at the like different the tables or just standing around talking to people. Like they know that they're allowed in. It's these right. people the people on the outside are the ones that are scared to go in because they feel they like they want a selfie like, and an autograph. They just want a selfie and an autograph and they're scared to like kinda breach that thing because they feel like they're not going to be included. They'll be, like, spotted immediately as, like, not part of the, the crowd. Right. right. Even though it's totally not true. I, no I one knows who to, anyone yeah, is. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to spot um, anyone. But it's weird because there, it's like an w- invisible force field around. And the moment that someone leaves the group, it's just screaming and yelling and just people chasing these guys down. And it's, like, insanity. Yeah. So it's, And it's – on one level, I'm like, where are all your parents – that are letting well, you be are there, in this hotel till one o'clock in the morning, screaming and following these YouTube celebrities up to their rooms. Like, because they'll post when we stayed at the Hilton, um, they would literally post people on floors and they would text each other like where people were. They'd figure out what what your room was and they'd like follow YouTube people back to their rooms. Um, not us because we're all that's not creepy. It's 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 really weird. I mean, we we didn't stay there this year um, just because it, the I read, I, ridiculous. I read a story about one of these kids, like a YouTube star, who's like again like a teenager basically, mm-hmm. but he's got this massive follow. I can't remember the name of the kid, but he went there incognito because it, he wanted to look around and like check things out, but didn't want to be mobbed. But somebody spotted him, yeah. and it turned into a scene from like a hard day's night. You know, like looking <laughs> beetles are like running from these. That's really what it is. I mean, I, I, some of the some of the footage that I've seen. I mean, it really is like nothing. Like nothing I've ever seen since like the Beatles came to America. Like teenage girls, tears streaming, like mm-hmm. pulling their hair out. Like that level of like obsessive fandom is insane. It's really weird because, like I said, this is our fourth or fifth VidCon, and we've seen that every year, and we've just seen the mobs get bigger and bigger. I think this year I didn't see it that much. No. The the running and the crazy screaming and all that. But I think that's because VidCon is finally kind of... They're um, getting smarter. And how they're getting they, smarter they, and they're they growing with these, to talent, learn how yeah. to understand. So their signing process was a lot better this year. So they mm-hmm. actually like scheduled a lot more people and they had a structure to waiting in line to be able to guarantee that these people can meet the people they're looking forward to meeting. And that's kind of what my topic was is I'm watching these people wait in line to go say hi and like meet and greet these you know, YouTube celebrities or in it, not even, they're not even saying YouTube's not even fair. Cause it's like, there's vine celebrities and Instagram people and Snapchatters now. And like all this, I don't know if they're called Snapchatters, uh, but whatever, whatever they're they now. are. There you go. Um, they snappers. snappers. The snappers. Yeah. They're chatters. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, the chat roulette people. Um, it's crazy to me that, that there's people that would wait for four hours to be able to take a picture with someone and say hi. But then I stopped and think about it and I was like, did I ever do that for people? And then I was like, I did. Like back in the day, I would like. I remember my brother was super into WWE, and like when people would come, like we'd wait. I'd bring him and wait in line for hours to meet these wrestlers, and like that didn't seem ridiculous to me, you know. And mm-hmm. now I think about it, I'm like, of course, that's ridiculous. They were on TV. It was a big deal to see it's, him. It's a, you know, it's obviously a generational thing, and this is where we start to realize that we're basically turning into our dads. When you're looking at what you know teenagers are into and going. 
I don't get it. When I was a kid in the, in the early 80s, I would watch, I don't know if it was everything here, but in the UK we had a show called The Young Ones. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a narcot comedy show. I think MTV had it here for a while. And it was like very much at the forefront of like very kind of a narcot, gross out, you just silly slapstick comedy. And it was a huge hit on BBC television. And it was very, very popular with like kids of my age, like teenagers. And my dad would look at it and go, I don't get it yeah, at all, yeah. and, and you realize that you, you eventually become that person mm-hmm. looking at the next thing. Because I, you know, I would, I've got like um, nieces and nephews that are kind of in that age group, and you know, I look at they, they don't look at the TV; they're, they're watching YouTube on their iPads. That's their television now, and Thank they you. Sh- they show me these these Describe. these characters, these kids that are doing this stuff. <coughs> what I've noticed as well is if you look at the kind of content that I've, I've trying to be, been trying to educate myself about this. I, I did a show, I did a YouTube show last year uh, with Skybound. I was, so I was trying to figure out like, who the audience was and trying to learn like how long the show has to be and who the audience is for this thing. What was that? What was it's that called show Nerd Court. Huh. You were on it. Oh, that's right. I was on it. Go watch it. That was an excellent show. That was actually one of our I, better episodes. Damn right I think that that was one of, that is definitely my top three favorite things Greg has done. That doesn't have to do with us. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. It was good. People oh, should check out that episode. It was episode five, Mario versus Sonic. Yep. Yeah, the warp zone. Nerdcore. We had we had a. You did the Mario Super Mario Super, Mario Super yeah. Show dance routine at the end, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, you look. I was talking to someone about this, and so, so okay. So what kind of content is on there? So well, like some of the really popular ones are like the teenage girl who like does makeup tips, or mm-hmm. like here's dating tips for girls, and like here's. You know, fashion stuff, and you know, here's like celebrity gossip. And what I realized is, is that this is not necessarily the new television; it's the new teen magazines. Remember, yep. when t- kids mm. used to read like yeah. Tiger Beat and stuff like yep. that. Those have kind of gone away, and I think that's what the, mm-hmm. the kids now have instead. But with this added dimension of like some level of interactivity, where you know, they these 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 YouTube stars can do videos going, "Hey, you know, I like your comments, whatever." And you feel like you can kind of. This is why I think it's so virulent: is that sense that like you kind of know them a little bit, yeah. and you're like internet friends with these people because the, you know, the the two way communication allows that. Yeah. Is that people get really really into it, um, in a in a way that I think transcends anything we we saw in you know television or any of the old media. So mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, do, do I understand it? No, not at all. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things also that the reason a lot of us, or myself included, don't necessarily understand or have a full grasp of it is how quickly it moves. And, and like I said, when we when we went there four years ago, I kind of had a firm – in my brain, I had a firm understanding of what a celebrity or a star was versus what someone on the internet was, right? I'm like, no, these people aren't stars. Four years ago, I would have told you that. They're not stars. No way these aren't stars. But then you start to break it down. You're like, well, what does that mean? Well, all of them have a huge audience. All of them uh, are treated like stars when they're when they're their fans see them like they're they want to elevate them to that status, and they're making a lot of money. So, yes, by I mean, by any by, by any, any definition med- definition, these guys are yes. every bit as successful and should be sort of seen in that light. And I think you nailed it. I think you 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 nailed it when you said the reason that I think they're seen it a little bit differently is because of that. They're, you're able to have that conversation with them and feel like they are. Are there is no barrier really uh, between you and them? Uh, there's a there's a there's an added level of intimacy. Yeah. Even with a ma- even with a massive audience that you don't get. Yeah. With television. Mm-hmm. And and again, like, so the crazy thing is these people are earning real, real money. I yeah. mean, you know, you've got PewDiePie at the top of the was it like seven point five million yep. he pulled in last year. That's ridiculous. You've got like these the, the girls I mentioned earlier. There's some of these teenage kids that are doing makeup tips. Yeah, Michelle Fans making. She millions. has her own makeup line now. Yeah. Like, you know, because, of course, you know, I, 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 what I read about VidCon is another big part of it now is these media executives and these agents mm-hmm. that smell blood in the water and they mm-hmm. want to go sign these kids up and, like, they recognize that these are yeah. the next big money-making opportunity. 
Yeah, like, we saw we saw that a couple years ago. They started the panels started going from like how to grow your audience and how to like what what monetization means to. We started seeing panels of like what does representation mean? And it was like so-and-so from CAA and so-and-so from UTA and so-and-so from William Morris. And I was like, oh, wow, these people are – there's a huge, huge, huge push to use these kids for A, for their influence and B, as sort of – I mean, I think they're still trying to figure out, but there's a lot of money to be made there. And when there's money to be made, of course, you're seeing all, these guys, all the guys from Hollywood Yeah, all there. these deals suddenly, of course, come out. Like, it doesn't matter how you generate the money. If you can, you know, these people will come out of the woodwork. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, HSBC – bank apparently didn't care that all this money was coming from like Mexican drug cartels it's money right. we will take yeah. it um, and I think to a, to a lesser extent you know it's it's true of you know people in the entertainment business they don't necessarily have to understand it in order to package it and monetize it mm. there's a again we see this all the time I mean, there's a there was a British YouTube celebrity I don't remember her name but she's like a teenage girl who built a huge following she now has a she had like has like a best selling book in the UK Zoella Zoella yeah ghost written but nobody cares it was, you know, so, well, this is, like, again, you don't, here's the thing. Part of the reason why there's a rush to monetize this is that nobody really knows how long it's going to last. Right, yeah. right, right. That some of these YouTube celebrities could have very short, you know, lifespans. We now, we now live in a world where one of the dominant forms of media is six seconds long. So you want to talk about, like, att- the, the contraction of attention spans and how long you might have in the spotlight before the next cool kid yeah. comes along? But I think that's the thing, though, is, like, it's... If VidCon's taught us anything, it's that it's not about YouTube. It's about keep continuously adapting and listening to what the new thing is mm-hmm. and getting on it before everyone else, understanding it and being creative with it. And I, I, a couple of years ago at VidCon, we saw the, this whole thing Nick's talking about <laughs> where it's like representation and all this. And you start to you started to see the beginning of like what happened with all the boy bands and stuff where it's just this produced thing where people put people together and like made a product out of these yeah, people right. and I like kind of sold it that way. Yeah. You started seeing a bunch of YouTube networks and channels and shows and whatever and personalities that weren't really personalities. It's not like they came and started doing YouTube channels. It's I'm going to take this young girl and I'm going to tell her what to say and we're going to she's going to do this and like grow that way. And what's interesting now is I mean there's a ton of those that just exist and they keep going, but this year I saw a bunch of those people that were introduced a couple years ago and they've now been Pretty much saying fuck you and just doing their own thing. Right. And it's like they got brought up that way, but then they learned quickly. And I think that's the the most interesting part of this is even with all these young kids, they're not only are they getting a lot more money a lot earlier and having a lot more weird responsibilities, they're given the opportunity to think and use them, use all of the tools available to them in such unique, weird ways that they can kind of say, We don't need you. We don't need you to make this for me and tell me which boy band song to put out. Like I can right do an indie thing if I wanted to but yeah. with that audience and well, they're going to like it. Yeah, and that's that's the power of it, right? Is that before, prior to this, you needed a label or a studio to elevate you as a celebrity, right? And you needed their continual support in order to keep your celebrity. Whereas now, the dangerous thing is if you build up a bunch of people who get massive followings, they don't necessarily need to stay within your organization. They can go out on their own, do their own thing, and still enjoy success and still thrive. And so I think a lot of people are trying to figure out in that ever-changing landscape, like how do they, how do we capitalize off people and not drive them out and and not let like let them go? Because, yeah. it, I mean, there's a lot of power to the individual contributor these It's days. true that it's different, but it's not that different. And I think there's – we haven't – I don't know if we've really seen this yet, but I suspect that we will, is that, you know, you always hear about like the case of like the tragic child star. I think there's a whole new generation of that waiting to yeah. happen with like yeah. 14, 15, 16-year-old boys and girls – who you know just started doing YouTube, and a lot of these kids didn't get in this to become famous. They just did yeah. it because it was a hobby. Right. Next thing you know, CAA's calling. You've got a hundred thousand subscribers, and there's real money coming in. And you know, there's book deals. You go to VidCon. You've got girls chasing you down. Like you're not. 
you can't keep it real and, and adjust to that. It's a very easy, very difficult thing to keep yeah. straight in your head. And suddenly mm-hmm. this overnight celebrity and like, how does that not go bad? And we, again, we've seen it ever since the golden age of Hollywood, child stars that kind of yeah. went off the rails because they just weren't right. properly prepared or properly protected by those around them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there is a new generation Well, I think of that there, there is a new generation that we've seen in the last couple of years, and that's the viral hit. Like, people that just make one video, they get millions of views, and they get millions of fans and stuff for that one video, and then nothing after that. Right. And they, they can't follow up, and they don't have consistent content, or they then put out content, and no one cares about it and everyone's like, oh, just right. do that again, do that again. And, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but you see these people at VidCon and it's kind of like, oh, man, like what? you just kind of feel bad for them. You're just right. like, oh, you are. I just seen. That's, <laughs> that's different than what Gary's talking about. What Gary's talking about is like the famous, like the two Corys uh, in, in the 80s, right? Corey Hamilton. Yeah, Corey I'm talking Fonda, about like all the money and fame and stuff going to your you, head and you basically yeah. becoming a dick. You're and 17 no, years no, old. That's, going that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like this is the new version of that because they made a shit ton of money off of one video, sure. and they think that they're untouchable for that. But it's like, no, your life changed for that one time, but that money runs out, and then you can't do another hit video because that's not how the virility of that video worked. Sure, that's why. That's why I like you know what we do. It kind of funny because the expectations are real low. Real low. Real low. Real low. Yeah. But but uh, but uh, from the title on. But it but it, <laughs> and, but it I, and I like how you sustain that week in week out. Yeah, yeah. we we like can't he, we can't possibly can't set better. the expectations any lower. <laughs> if we're ever like, oh man, things are going really well. Kevin, do something, change something. Then we're <laughs> off the air. There's no sound. Like perfect. But that's but that's what I love about about this business coming as a very outsider kind of person because I can I will always consider myself a writer first and you know I've only been to one VidCon which was last year's which was super eye opening for me. That's really the embryonic state of what kind of funny ended up becoming was that three days or four days we spent in Anaheim for sure um, and it was eye opening but it always informs me what I don't know and I, that's what I always say which is that it, what you don't know is one thing what you don't know you don't know is the other thing and so like I know I don't understand the math behind physics but I don't know that I don't know that I need to know this other thing that is really essential to the business and that's what I that's what I really learned at VidCon in other, in other words people walk through life thinking that they don't know the things that already exist and yet I feel like I don't. I'm learning something every day about things I didn't even know I had to know, or that were even yeah. things that you could know. And so, what I'm so fascinated about with with our business is that you know we kid around. The expectations are low. They're really not. I mean, the expectations are, are high actually because we we are largely crowdfunded and all those kinds of things. But that's what I like about it is that I feel like we're growing slowly and steadily. And like I always say, I'm really I'm really concerned about kind of funny or or, or not concerned, but think about kind of funny in five or ten years about what it looks like and that hopefully we have the like I always say have the wisdom to understand that we have to adapt and have to change that it's one day not going to be about us if we want this to be a, a company that is going to exist for a long time and that you know I like being in this world where I don't know much you know mm-hmm. like and, and I'm learning something about it every day I think it's kind of fun it's different you know than being a a writer or being you know doing another thing where I understand that world a lot better than I understand the ever-changing YouTube world where maybe I'm at 30 years old I'm, I'm considered somewhat old for this world you know? yeah but see I, would, I mean and there I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on that because you mentioned that every once in a while but at the same time I think part of the reason why people enjoy watching us is because they like watching us progress through life and and try new things and fail let's be honest most of the time but then when we do have, enjoy the one or two successes they like uh, you know sharing those with us and so I like I, our I, upcoming Mark Ruffalo Colombo trailer yeah it's going to be amazing um, starring Mark Ruffalo. Kevin, uh, put the tweet up. There you go, Kevin. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm 50 50 on that too because I think that this needs to always necessarily. I mean, I, I want this to be a part of my life and my career forever. Like, I, this is our business, obviously, but I feel like being able to share it with an ever growing audience of people who just 
find it fascinating watching us go through life. I think it's a very, very powerful thing. And I don't think that's going to go away necessarily. It might change um, in how people engage. But I think the idea that people can go out there and find their audience is a very, very powerful thing that's going to be with us for a very long time. Yeah, but but my whole my whole thing with that is, you know, I don't know much about Rooster Teeth, but I'm, my image of Rooster Teeth in my mind is something that began and is very different with very different people now. It's, you know, like yeah, and, and, and the grown. core is the still, difference there is the OG guys are still adapting. Like you still see Bernie periscoping every day. Sure, you know? but what I'm saying is that it's not necessarily about Bernie anymore. Right now, it's about no, now it's, it's about, about these, it's all, these other people exactly. Yeah, and so it's like yeah, I'll always be. I mean, I want we all want a piece of this company. We'll always be around and, and with it. But that, I want to have never getting rid of me. But I want to have the cigarettes these, will be there for me. The That'd wisdom to say like you know in ten years if they're like you know what. This other guy that you hired, we'd much rather hear him talk about games. And I'd be like, oh, you don't want – so that's what, like, that's what's best for you as the viewer is for me not to not to speak anymore. You want to hear this younger guy. You know, To me, I'm like, I can accept that. You know, like, and, that's, I, and, that, and I, that's, I think, the evolution of the longevity of this business as an entity and not us as individuals. You know, I, like we have to have that wisdom, and I think it's important. You know? I respect so. that you can accept that, but let's be perfectly honest. Greg's ego is going to kill that guy a lot. Just ve- right off the bat. That's There's true. no way Greg's ego is letting anyone else come into this group that'll talk about games or Oreos. That's true. So. true. It's true. But yeah, I mean, I just to me, like that's what I'm excited about is the unknown. Like I want kind of funny to exist. I want kind of funny to like exist in perpetuity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for it to exist forever, I'm excited to think like what? Are, how big are we? Or how small are we? Or whatever. What? What? What is our power and prestige or lack thereof in ten years, twenty years? What does the company look like? How many people does it employ? Are any of us on camera anymore? Is, is Nick too busy doing production? Is Greg now this you know really the CEO of the company? Is Tim kind of like doing strategy? And we have I'm gonna a whole be watching new, Columbo. We're watching Columbo. We have a whole <laughs> over, new crew of people. I think that Wait, that's super. Are you watching the, the old Columbo or the new Columbo? We helped get Columbo. started. Don't jinx it. Both. You're jinxing. It's too late. It's already on. Put the tweet up, Kevin. So I, I think it's the it's the unknowns about the world that you know you know. To Gary's point, like I, I'm, I I exist in this world. I'm still quite ignorant of it. I learn something new about it every day. We just learned. You know, I just learned from you guys kind of bringing notes back to me that we've been using Facebook totally wrong and stuff like that. And that was really eye-opening to me. It's like, I don't – and again, it's like you don't know until you know, I guess. But, like, that's that's what I'm excited about with this world is – and being in this world is that it's 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 about the adaptation. It's not about – there's nothing certain. Yeah. Everything's unexpected. Yeah. And I think it keeps us on our toes and it keeps us honest and it keeps us humble. And that's the thing That's the thing that I, I want – when I say that the most about having that wisdom to change and adapt and make it not about you one day is it's humility, you know, to understand that, like, we are going to identify someone one day, hopefully, if we want to be in this in this space for more than a decade, if that, that is going to do this better than we do it. And, and, and we should elevate that person, you know, even if it comes at the sake of me being on camera or Greg being on camera, you know, because that's what's good for the health of the business and that's what's good for the viewer. And that's like what's most important. To and me. part of and part of what I think is exciting about it for you guys is it's kind of similar to you know watching video games evolve. It's re- you know video games is also a relatively um, yeah. new medium if you think about it like in the kind of mm-hmm. geological time frame of everything. It's if you go into a, to a um, you know a, a much more traditional form of media like film or television, it's very very difficult to innovate to come into there and do something new because those businesses are built on generation upon generation upon generation of people who have established the rules and will tell you right away, this is how it's done, this is how it's not done, this is what you can and can't do. But this world, people are still figuring out where the boundaries are and what is possible and what you can and can't do. And I think that's really interesting because you've got a lot more freedom to try crazy shit and again because there aren't any gatekeepers because there's just you mm-hmm. and your you know internet connection to you know the YouTube mm-hmm. upload server and you know enough people out there to keep funding you fuck everybody else I think that's yeah. part, the part of the fun of it yeah I mean it is but it is also challenging right and to Colin's point like you do whereas I feel like the 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 sort of path to success in the traditional media 
uh, world is a little bit like there's gatekeepers, but once you kind of break through that, you can understand how the system works. This is an ever moving, ever changing target for us. There's like Colin, you're talking about Facebook. What you just mentioned might be different a year from now or six months from now, right? So our success it, it behooves us to kind of that, that's why I like VidCon is you, it's it's our opportunity to kind of sit for four days, check in, and think about these strategies and think about are we what was right six months ago is that still right for our business and, and strategy wise now? Um, you should go to VidCon. You should you should check it out. I, I I do find it fascinating. You know, just purely from like an anthropological you know yeah. perspective, to be there like and just just amazing. Like again, the fact that this world exists, you know, it's and again, it's there. It's massive, but because it's I'm not the audience for it. Mm-hmm. Like again, the, the the whole that whole world really took me by surprise when I realized only through like my younger relatives that this was a huge, huge thing and I slowly mm-hmm. became aware of it. I would be, the staying power thing that you mentioned is really interesting. I'd be really fascinated to see, like if you look at the last five years of VidCon and maybe like the, the, the next few years, to look at what's the degree of turnover between, uh, of who's considered like the big attractions there that year. Mm-hmm. Like are there people there that have been established stars for like the last two, three years or is it like there's a new flavor of the month oh every, my God. every it's VidCon? Insane. It's insane that every year you go and I'm like, and I'm, I'm the youth YouTube guy of the group where I'm like I love YouTube I'm all about this at this point all the the biggest names I'm seeing I'm like I do not know who that is right. and you just can't keep up with it but that's the thing though it's like that's like trying to keep up with all of TV or all of the movies like you can't do that YouTube it's not just one thing it's not just the beauty people it's beauty people VFX people comedy people food people food people like there's just yeah. so many different like genres of YouTube video that it, and of Snapchat and of Instagram and of all the different things that uh there there is the the people that have been there been at the top for years but they're not necessarily the top there's all like they're not the headliners of VidCon anymore right. there's like a whole every year it's a different set of headliners I'd say it's but, weird though it would be interesting to, it'll be it'll be fascinating watching like Harley right who is one of the mo- is one of the bigger names that we know that's that we actually know know like you hang out with him you guys are friends um, watching his presence at the show versus some of these kids that are that came up so fast right where like a lot of the like some of these kids came up with like you check in on their channel a year from now and it, right now it's at twenty thousand and a year from now it could be a million you're like how the hell did they do that but they just have that thing that the teenage kids love and and, and find interesting rock and roll but I'm wondering it it will be fascinating to watch those guys and see if they continue to do it or do what Gary's talking about where they make a step this way and try to go you know either to traditional TV and kind of burn out fast um, versus guys like Harley who have kind of done TV but continue like he smartly continues to build his audience online and his presence online um, that's fascinating well that's his bread and butter right and I, I think that's, that's what's, so, that's what's so exciting about it because I look at the old structure like even pre-cable structure of NBC and CBS even before Fox it was very it was very there were gatekeepers and it was very vertical right and the vertical I think even grew when cable came out and now that instead of three or four channels there were 20 or 25 viable channels and now what's exciting to me about YouTube and what I think is so it's so fucking profoundly small D democratic is that it's tumbled the vertical the tower doesn't exist anymore it's made it horizontal and stretched it out completely and so now like there's there and it's like a fucking bizarre jigsaw puzzle with very small pieces you know that somehow interlock with each other in a way that makes perfect sense where we have a we have a relatively small audience compared to a lot of people on youtube but we've 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 carved out our niche in it and can make a living doing it like gary was saying which i think is is so exciting that we're doing what would have been impossible without the platform and without you know broadband internet i guess so that's what's so exciting to me about it is like I like being in this space because, you know, it's fun to be on camera and do all these kinds of things, but I like learning about it and, mm-hmm. and I want to learn enough about the business where I can help run the business yeah. one day when we have employees, when we have um, 
responsibilities and maybe people that are making content that is better than our content that we really want to shepherd. And the other thing that I'm always so excited about and interested about is when people bring up names or, or things people are doing on YouTube not being much of I, I, I exist pretty much only in YouTube, in the YouTube space, maybe in politics somewhat. Like so that political kind of you know slice or whatever. Um, and I hear names about, oh, you hear this guy, this guy. I'm like, I have no, and it's not disrespectful. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And then I look and I'm like, they have, you know, 500,000 Twitter followers and a few million YouTuber. You know, you, I feel like I find that almost every day. Yeah. And that to me shows a profound, again, small D democratic kind of like, it's the free market. YouTube is like the free market just working, but it doesn't mean that the big guys only win at the, at the, at the, uh, the behest of the small guys failing, you know, it means that everyone kind of coexists. And I think that that's fucking rad. Right. Yeah. I know we've gone along with it on the subject. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is something that you have to wrap your head around, which is, which is that there is no like winning necessarily. And there is no necessarily end game, right? It's just grow your audience and just continue to thrive. Bring and them that, along for the ride. But I think that's kind of part of the, the, the thing that I have a trouble wrapping my head around is I'm like, okay, if we hit this certain point, is that when we get to do like mainstream stuff or do we ever, do we even worry about mainstream we don't media? Worry about no, mainstream. We don't you know what I mean? This is mainstream that's, but, now, but that's hard for me. To, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. You're is old. that like, well, I, I am old, and to me, success is make a movie, or to me, success is make a television show. Your success right now, Nick, you don't even know it. Look at him, everybody. Well, I mean, listen, listen Doesn't to the even way, know it. Listen to the way Gary talked about the the possible Columbo reboot, which is like he talked about Netflix about bringing it yeah. to somewhere or HBO, like a pre something premium. You know, right. I don't feel like. I mean, I, I'm sure that a lot of writers would love to have their things on traditional TV, but that's not where things are going, and that's. To me, that's a that's a like deep, you know. For instance, having five million followers on you know or subscribers on YouTube and making some money there, and then deviating into like Hollywood is a fucking huge. No, risk. traditional TV is becoming less and less relevant, and the and I think the idea of becoming a big enough star on YouTube that you can quote unquote graduate to television is really outdated thinking. Like, mm. I don't think you're, I don't think you're graduating at all anymore. It's a, that's if anything a sideways move. And in terms of the the audience that you might be trying to reach. By moving to television, there's no guarantee that your teenage audience would even follow you. Like I said, kids don't really watch TV anymore. Right. Their, atten- their attention spans are too short. They want to be able to just dial up. Again, just the idea of you know channel surfing seems so... I mean, even for us, right, we're old enough to remember the old days when the only way to cycle through television stations was to just go... Ch- ch- and just like you get Real one quick, second. Do you remember? That? I do. Do you? I do. Okay. <laughs> I do. Okay. I don't know if you always had yeah, the fucking no, built-in guide. <laughs> There was a scene, I can't remember which show it was. It was one, I think it might have been the Goldbergs or maybe it was Freaks and Geeks. It was like one of the shows that was set. Sure, set You know, like one generation or two Mm -hmm. generations back. And I had such a nostalgic thing as I remember before even the days of TV remotes. And it was a family sitting, someone who will remember, remind me what the show is, I'm sure. It was a family sitting in the living room watching TV. And like the youngest kid in the family, it was his job to sit in front of the TV and change the channel. And the dad would go, no, no, no. No, okay, stick on that channel. And like just, just <laughs> And that was how it worked. And now of course, you know, and then it became a thing where we could like go browse through channel guides and stuff. And now you don't even do that anymore. I don't I very rarely sit in front of my TV screen and watch television. Like yeah. I, I, as soon as I sit down, like all my stuff gets piped through the Xbox One, so the TV yeah, comes yeah. through it, Netflix comes through it, YouTube. I, I don't even bother to unless it's something I that I know is only on TV, like an HBO show or something I want to watch. I don't even bother. I'll go straight to YouTube. I'll go straight to Netflix because it's just so much fun, more fun and easy. And I get that kind of paralysis. You ever do that thing where like you sit in front of Netflix for like an hour and all, all you do, do is fucking browse? That's yeah. all. And I you do. just and, you, and you're like what? just fucking pick something. Maybe, and you just, what, about reason, the, what about this one? Maybe put it in the maybe. Uh, yeah, you come yeah, back yeah. like 15 yeah. minutes yeah. later. Put it, on, put it on the watch list and maybe I'll come back to yeah, it. Yeah. Shit never gets watched. I had the yeah. weirdest thing last night happen to me where my girlfriend was watching The Bachelorette, so that was weird. Um, but then the weirdest thing was the commercials came on 
And you I was like, what them? the fuck? And it, it was such a jarring experience that she was watching on TV. Live? And I, yeah. That, that's weird. And I was like... Your girlfriend's weird. It was weird, man. Because I haven't experienced that. Mm. It's been years. It's been years since I've watched TV. Seen if anyone watching if TV. If you're smart enough, because what you do is you join the show 15, 20 minutes late, so you have enough buffer to eat all the commercials. Mm. If you watch it, again, sometimes if it's like a show that... I remember when um, the the series finale of Breaking Bad was on, and we were like, okay, I'm not leaving anything to chance. I'm watching right. it As dead, live. straight up live with yeah, everyone yeah. else so that no one can fuck with me. But And then, of course, there's commercials, and you're like, huh, what, what, what am I supposed to do now? Am I, just, <laughs> am I supposed to sit and, and, and watch these? Like, is it's that so thing? uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, just, it's such a weirdly outdated... Um, model. I had the same thing happen last, like two nights ago. I came home, my wife was watching Total Divas. Now, I love Total Divas. Who doesn't love Total Divas? And I love it for a number of reasons. One, it's, it's, it's just terrible. good old fashioned TV. And two, the women are just gorgeous. And so my wife's watching it. And what she's is like, Total Divas? It's the it's the reality show on VH1 that's the divas from WWE, the female wrestlers. Oh, the female oh wrestlers. and like, what if they just follow them around? It's a, real, they, it's they a reality have, show. Uh, right. It's totally the fake reality totally show. Totally fake. But so it's just like about their, their like lifestyles? Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and the um, fact that John Cena won't marry the one or have a baby. Right, it's it's completely make make believe. My wife realizes that too, but she still gets sucked into it. As do I, I'll be honest. And it was, it was the same thing where she was watching it, and I kept picking up the up the remote during commercials and hitting the fast forward and oh. coming to the realization every when, time that we were live. Oh, uh, like, when you hit God. fast forward, and you realize there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. to go. You can't actually travel forward in or, time. Or this is terrifying. Soul crushing. Like I watch, I watch. I, there's only a few shows that I watch on TV that I come on and I'll watch them religiously. MasterChef is one of those shows. I love that show, and. Uh, Fox, all Fox on demand stuff. So you cannot fast forward it even in. Oh, I hate VOD. that. Oh, I hate so, that. So like, it's like fuck. Like, what do you? Yeah, like, and it's always the same fucking commercial mm-hmm. over and over yeah, and over. The two, they yes. cycle in them. Every yeah, including line. like so promoting annoying. MasterChef, and I'm like, I'm watching. Yeah. I'm watching <laughs> MasterChef. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that shit is kind of that shit's kind of annoying to me. But I I I agree. I like I like creating that buffer of removing commercials. It's just the way we die. You know, we, yeah. we ingest content now. There's the expectations are different, and the thing that's going to be fucked up is that. It's only going to get worse on TV because the money is going to start falling through and I have to do have more advertisements, more injection of, yeah. of, of all of these kinds of things. Shit, you're seeing it with the NFL, who's already fucking out of control, when they were surface all making tablets. them use the Surface tablets, even like during games and stuff like that, and then the announcers are using Surface tablets, and all these funny pictures are on Deadspin of them using iPads. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah the, the iPad like, like, propped up behind yeah. the Surface. That was good. That is hilarious. And, uh, so I think it's only going to get until it's just craters, and then people are like, this is not... It'll, it'll we, fold in on itself yeah, eventually. Yeah. You've got it's, you've got services like Netflix and HBO now, which is like done. Standalone HBO. So done. that's what's is happening, it? is that because now we have all this technology to skip through shows, we're actually weirdly going back to how television was in the 50s when the commercials were baked right into the show. Like, you'd actually have... Well, he would stop and be like... This yes, is the, and the lucky strike, yeah, or whatever. That's it exactly was, what we do on the show every day. Brought like, to you by Clorox. I was gonna say commercials do yeah. suck, but you know what doesn't suck? Loot crate. <laughs> this episode is brought. This, this topic <laughs> is brought to you by Loot Crate. Everyone, head over to lootcrate.com/slash kind of funny and enter the code kind of funny to save three dollars on any new subscription. Uh, you know Loot Crate, right? I do. Brings you six to eight items a month. Love it. Nerdy. It's a surprise. Awesome geeky stuff that we like. Yeah. For less than twenty bucks. Every month, it's guaranteed to be $40 or more worth of items in there. It's curated around a theme. Previous creates have included Star Wars, Walking Dead, all the stuff we mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. This month, you know what it is? I do not know. Villains. Oh. Whether nice. they're terrifying or tragic, something about bad guys and gals is just plain fun. Probably the snazzy outfits, army of henchmen, and the totally relatable, quote, treat yourself to some sweet loot attitude. I didn't write this. 
Just it sounds out. like something you were. Like it, it does. Though. I know. Thanks for joining us as we celebrate <laughs> the darker side with epic items from Marvel and an exclusive DC figure that I will be keeping. Uh, unique wearable. It's put in the crate before. It's a huge crate. Blah blah. blah. Uh, so, anyways, if you is guys, it Calendar Man. I hope it's Calendar Man. He doesn't get enough credit. No. Yeah, I don't. Why really is there doesn't. not a desk calendar from Calendar Man? That seems. There you go, Jim Lee. Easy merchandising idea. You know what I mean? I hate to have you. Uh, so, if you guys want three dollars off your new subscription, head over to LootCrate.com/slash/kindoffunny and enter in the code kindoffunny. Before we move on to the next topic, last thing I want to say, YouTube is growing so fast that this last year at VidCon, there was a huge deal about Smosh. Like during the keynote, they said this, that Smosh hit 10 million subscribers. Right. So I was looking at, sorry, I saw a thing last night on Netflix, Smosh the movie. Smosh the and movie. And I guess it's these, yeah. came out last they have week. a movie now. I yeah. don't even know who the fuck they are. Yeah. Well, they were, they, <laughs> they, they're they, really nice yeah. guys. They're, they're nice guys. They've been the, they were, I think that they're the longest running number one subscribe channel on YouTube. Like if so you what count is up their they're, they're all the like, time. What's their angle? They're two com- like comedy guys. They're just two guys that are funny and they just do, they do just things. sit in they're front of the friends. camera and like is they it do like sketches. This? Like, what it's is- sketches. Okay. They Mainly do comedy sketches. sketches. They, they do a whole bunch of stuff now, but they've been doing it since the very beginning. Um but they hit ten million subscribers last year at VidCon. That was a huge deal because it happened like that week and they were the number one most subscribed channel. Since then PewDiePie outpaced them and PewDiePie's now at thirty eight million. Jesus. So in, in since a year, PewDiePie has went beyond Smosh to thirty eight million. So you're saying there's twenty eight million. Yeah. So that's that's like five hundred thousand. That's like five hundred fifty thousand subscribers a week, right? Yeah. I mean, so you're you're here's, here's, you know what? here's what I need to do because I do want I do want to learn. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that I will provide you with I like, like a this top is ten going. Columbos, mm-hmm. I would. If one of you guys could provide me with like a curriculum oh, yeah. of yeah. like. Here's some, like, was it Jenna fucking marbles, marbles. or whatever? Jenna like, fucking marbles. Yeah, Jenna marbles. Here's, like, here's like 10 videos that yeah. you should watch that will give you, to like, understand. This, is, this is the landscape. Mm-hmm. These should both be that forum would, posts. Yeah. Yes. Do them that would, I'm, I'm going to have Nick do this for you. Like, the okay. kind of dummies go. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. You two, oh, I'm you know, who, who's who in you, like, yeah. who are the people today? Oh, yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, yeah. That, that would help me immensely. Kevin, write a note. We're doing that. I will either learn something from it mm-hmm. or it will be the perfect excuse me to do what I love to do is just like fucking mouth off at the TV. <laughs> I like, love that. What the fuck is this yeah. shit that mm-hmm. passes for entertainment? Mm-hmm. I, I love to do that too. Tim yeah. sends 10 videos that are all ours. Yeah. This Colin. is what YouTube's all about. Colin, what's your topic? So I was watching, I like my documentaries. That's, oh, that's yeah, you pretty do. much only the only thing I watch. And uh, where, do you, where do you get them from? Uh, typically Netflix or okay. Amazon. Yeah. And uh, or on YouTube, there's a shit. Yeah, there's a fucking metric shit ton of yeah. documentaries on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was watching uh, Ken Burns' The Roosevelts. Mm. Ken Burns, of course. And I'm curious since we have two film guys here. Ken Burns has to be completely unrivaled as a documentarian, right? Like, there's no one fucking even remotely on his level in terms of output and quality. Right? I don't know, but I will say that having seen, watched a ton of uh, very uh, like varying degrees of documentary. Some you, you might not even be able to call documentary on Netflix. They're not all created equal, and I'm sure Ken Burns is probably at the top. Well, Ken Burns is like, oh, I'm gonna make a baseball documentary. I got something like two, two and a half hours. Like, no, I'm gonna make like thirty. Thirty. He yeah. pioneered, uh, he pioneered he, what I believe is now known, like in Apple, as the Ken Burns, the Ken Burns effect. Yeah, where you would take it. All he all he would have is archivally a still photograph, mm-hmm. but he would move the camera into it to give you at least a sense of like motion as you were yeah. watching a movie. Yeah, genius, and, and a little bit of noise off. in the background yeah. too. Like, I can't. I cannot tell you how many projects I've done where I've been sitting on the other end with like a creative director or someone who's like you know from an agency and they go so we'll just do this and we're just gonna Ken Burns it and I'm like 
What does that mean to you? Because it means a little bit something different to me. But you know, thirty-hour yeah. YouTube series. Yeah, he, he, they just meant the picture. Oh, I wish. Okay, good because I don't yes, want to make Burns thirty hours of baseball. The, the, the greatest modern documentary. <laughs> he's fucking awesome, and and I and, and he he's so good at what he does that the Roosevelts should have been like thirty-five or forty hours long, and I would have watched the whole fucking thing. At, at fourteen hours, I was like, this is way too short. I couldn't believe how short it was. Actually, I mean, because that's what he does, right? He doesn't just do like a three-hour documentary. He does like an epic series of films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so, like the Roosevelts was about all about Teddy Roosevelt and then FDR and then Eleanor Roosevelt these after big, FDR these dies. Were big people in America, by the way. Thank just you very much for <laughs> helping me out with that. Didn't know if they made it across. They talk the about pond. a gentleman named Winston Churchill once or twice in the, no, in the documentary. Doesn't ring a bell. So anyway, I'm watching this, and there's a moment in the documentary that really stuck stuck with me, and I don't think it was a consequential part of the documentary at all, but they're talking about when Theodore Roosevelt takes over for McKinley after McKinley's assassinated, and Teddy Roosevelt's coming in, and he goes through, through his business, and then he chooses Taft as his replacement when he doesn't decide to run in 1908, and Taft comes in, and when it, the story goes that they're building at the White House, the West Wing at that time, mm-hmm. and the Oval Office. And that Theodore Roosevelt is walking through the Oval Office just, like, as it's being constructed. And I'm like, that's a fucking awesome visual, first of all. And then I'm like, huh. So the White House, which really was first inhabited by John Adams, go, transcends all of this time. It was burned down by the British and all this kind of shit. But it's it's been a building. But the West Wing, and specifically the Oval Office, has taken on this really significant the significant position in American politics and American history, right? And it's interesting, when you look at pictures of the White House... You're typically not seeing the West Wing. You're no, seeing the residents. Exactly. The, the the building is what they called. They didn't even call it the White House until like the 20th century. It was it was called the Executive Mansion, and yeah, like you can't really see. Like if you look at it from an aerial an aerial view, what you see is that like the White House is fucking massive, and it, like what what it's like all these tendrils that go all over the place. But like the White House itself is like where the president lives. Um, Anyway, I was thinking about, okay, so the Oval Office, Teddy Roosevelt was the first man of consequence to walk in the Oval Office, and then Taft and, and Wilson and and then Calvin Coolidge and Hoover and everyone else, Harding. So I was like, there's become a lot of history in this one building, and we often talk about the people we want to meet or the places we want to be in terms of a time, like you know being at the Gettysburg Address or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I realized at that point as a, as a lover of history that the Oval Office might be the most interesting place I can think of where you want to be a fly on the wall, where you want to go through the history and see all the fascinating things that happened there, whether it was Nixon recording every every conversation he had in there, which was then his downfall, whether it was Clinton getting a blowjob from an intern in the Oval Office, whether it was... That totally, that totally happened. Yeah, like that, like there's crazy shit that happened in that fucking room. You know, like that, yeah. were, that, that ran the gamut from Wilson... You know, conducting World War One and FDR conducting World War Two from there. Truman dropping the atom bombs. Eisenhower doing all of his things, whatever. JFK, uh, you know, with Bay of Pigs and all that stuff, all the way through today. And I was like, this is maybe the most fascinating space that I can think of where I would just like to be there and be able to rewind history and see all the con- the crazy conversations and a lot of the illicit shit that happened there. Heads of state from all over the world happening there. Fucking massive arguments and fallout happening in, in those places between people. I'm sure that every president has had sex in that room. That's I'm what sure. I want to ask I you. Not make it sound like we're hoo hoo hoo. No, well, I, I mean I'm sure. I'm thing, sure. Right? Crazy. That's got to be the first fucking oh my, checklist. I, I mean, that would be the first like, thing I get in here. That we're breaking this the room in right now. The thing that I find fascinating here, about that, though, like talk about like the Clinton blowjob, mm-hmm. is like just how do you logistically pull that off? Because there's like, like there's three different doors into that room. There's a shitload of windows, right? There's fucking Secret Service everywhere. Like I don't know how Clinton. Was he like, let me, like, let me just... He's just, that. like, doors he's like, open. Yeah, he's like, 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 you know, don't bother me for the next 20 minutes. Like, closes all the... Like, how do you even 
You have yeah, to yeah, get, even get away with it. Com- he's compl- well, it's, it's the Secret Services, and probably his chief of staff are all complicit in this. They must have been, right? And they got to yeah, have a code word, right? Like, banana. Well, yeah, but the, 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 banana code, banana. the chief of staff fucking has to because the chief of staff's office, like, it it's right immediately West, yeah. adjacent to the Oval Office. Exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it's... So I was just curious, like, what you guys thought about, like, what space would fascinate you in that sense because, to me, there's, like, serious history going on. To your point, like, it was amazing. They were talking about... And I, we, we knew a lot about Lucy Mercer and everything with FDR's affair. I mean, FDR had an affair with a woman for, like, 40 years, you know? And... And... Eleanor Roosevelt found out when he got back from World War One when he was traveling overseas and swore off that, like, he swore he would never see her again, yet he was seeing her for, like, the next 30 years. And she was with him when he died, mm-hmm. you know? And this was facilitated by Eleanor Roosevelt's daughter. So there's, like, all these fucked up things, like, where Eleanor Roosevelt was basically being, like, just, she was just going behind her back for fucking decades. And everyone around him was complicit. I'm saying that because I think with Clinton's situation, for instance, there was plenty of people that knew. Um, and they just let it happen or whatever. But anyway, that's my space. I'm curious, like, what you guys think. Like, I would just love to hop in there during a Nixon conversation. I'd love to hop in there when Jimmy well, Carter's falling apart. Well, you got to a little bit because of the tapes, right? I mean, you didn't get everything, but that's as close as you'll ever get, I would imagine, is the Nixon tapes. Yeah. Which were all recorded in the Oval Office. Indeed. And for people that don't know any yet, Nixon recorded every conversation in the Oval Office because he wanted to have these archives, and then he realized that the archives were going to fucking ruin him. Um, and they did. So, and then there was 18 minutes missing on one of them. No one ever knows what was on those. Uh, Area 51. Area 51, probably, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to throw it to or you guys. Code banana. Maybe you have a similar answer. I don't An know. 18-minute I mean. code banana. <laughs> I don't have a particular place, maybe, but I think I always thought it would be fascinating to be like on Paramount, the Paramount lot like the entire decade of the 80s, just seeing all the movies that were shot there and just being in that, and just in that world. Like LA in the 80s for film was just, would have been just a trip to see all that happening. I don't know. I mean, I was fortunate. I've only I've only been on a lot a few times. I interned on Paramount when I was in college, and just the the amount of energy that's going around now is is probably amazing. But I can't even imagine when, like Spielberg was shooting Jaws, you know, um, just being able to maybe happen by that set. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, and that's part of the fun of seeing. And Gary, you've been on you've been on these huge. Uh, you know about movies, right? You've yeah, seen and these it's huge funny because lines. my answer. I'm trying to trying to find a, a good answer, and it's weird. Mine's got almost kind of a weird combination of the two one of the things that i've always tried to do during my years in the film business and i've never been able to do it is even just get onto like an, an oval office set just like a fake one because <laughs> uh, you, you think about it any given time there's like five or six up anywhere yeah. yeah right because there's so many shows and movies and some obviously overlap like they build mm-hmm. it and a bunch of ple- bunch sure. of different shows will use them but at any given time there's like like i guarantee you right now there's someone is shooting something in an oval office set right now mm-hmm. and just the idea of like just being in the fake one because you're never going to get in the real one but just the idea of being in the fake one seems really uh fun i was i worked to, i worked on the warner brothers a lot during the final season of The West Wing. And I was constantly trying to get over there. I didn't know anyone who worked on the show, but I was constantly trying to get over there to like see if I could sneak onto the West Wing set. Because even just the fake version of it right. would, oh, would, awesome. be, would be fascinating. Well, that was great that, that great, remember when uh, Al Gore hosted SNL? And they did like a digital, sh- not before they were like digital shorts, but like a you know a standalone package or whatever, where he went and visited the West Wing set, right? And he walked into the Oval Office, and he's like, and they're like giving the tour. He's like, can you just be quiet for a second? And he sat down, picked up the phone, and acted like he was calling people. This is hard. Well, right. that's the problem. Is like the Oval Office. I uh, I'm trying to you know, when it's boiled down to a room, right? That's like space, a place. Yeah, like because I, I would think, like I've always thought it would have been fascinating to be like. Again, like a ghost, or like in this three D virtual world, to be able to see something, experience it, like experiencing it, like Titanic. Like I, I, I would have been fascinated. The movie was good, don't be wrong, but I mean, like actually, what was that like? You know what I mean? Like what was happening there, and all this different stuff, different 
you know, similar to you, I guess, would be like, it would have been awesome to be able to be omniscient during like uh, Ghostbusters, right? Like, mm-hmm. be the fly on Dan Aykroyd's collar or whatever through yeah. all that process of it. Just hearing getting, guys getting shooting into the shit it. Yeah. between How takes. they're going back and forth with like all the different rewrites and stuff like that. Yeah. You say, it's, it's funny you say that. A lot of, you, I actually think you can get even a better version of that experience just years later. Like, there's a fascinating, since you mentioned Ghostbusters, there's a fascinating oral history of Ghostbusters oh, yeah. published uh, a year or two ago because of the anniversary. And it's fascinating to read. As, as exciting as you think it would actually be to like be there on the set, yeah, yeah. most of the time you're on a movie set, it is boring as shit. Mm. It is really, really, really dull. Like, there's so much technical shit that has to happen just to set up. Like, this is why it takes, you know, they, they'll shoot for like 12 hours a day and they'll come away with maybe 20 minutes, you know, of stuff that they can use. So, think about what's happening the other 11 hours and 40 minutes that, yeah. that's. That, that, that's that's happening and it's it can be incredibly dull it's a tough one i this is i, I keep feeling like i'm keep dragging the conversation into the gutter because we we're talking about blowjobs earlier like i i would think it'd be fascinating to like see like see famous people on the toilet mm. there was an art because okay. like, there was an artist who did this reason it was fascinating he's a, a really really good artist you, I don't know if you saw this but he drew really really amazing like 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 a, everything is good as like the quality of art would be like good enough for a presidential portrait but it was basically like the queen or Obama or various people just sitting on the toilet. And because you think like, you, everybody, does, everybody it. does it, yeah. but you don't, it just seems like such a, such a weirdly incongruous image. Like at some point, like, you know, once a day, twice a day, hopefully, you know, it's healthy and it's all good. But you know, Obama has to pull his pants down and sit on the toilet and take a shit. Yeah. And you just think like, wow, that's, it's a very humanizing Mm-hmm. thing and there's a reason why we don't share it publicly but I just think the idea you know it's not in itself interesting like, I don't really care about like what wiping technique he would use or anything oh so a president wipes his ass like it wouldn't be actually that it just, it's just it's just a, a weird weirdly private thing that I think makes even the most even the largest YouTube star mm-hmm. would you know become just a normal person when they're Riding, shit, yeah. doing their business riding the porcelain sure, bus sure sure see I'm going to disagree with you on one thing there is I would like to know how he wipes because I bet it would be some advanced shit like does he have someone that does it for him is there a no. bidet no is there a bidet, there should be a bidet. Right. the queen might I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the queen had someone who does it for her I mean she's like 80 something years old yeah she probably can't get back there as much as she used to yeah maybe she doesn't want to I bet you she has either a bidet well, there's there's something going on there mm. where it's you know it's basically there's done. definitely something up for sure. I wish I mean again I, I don't want to go off, off track because this is a fascinating topic, but I do wish that the bidet were more popular. Yeah, I really the wish. The bidet is fucked up. You're crazy. It's bidet is awesome. Are you bidet is awesome. We literally have a topic about this. I know. Was it episode, episode two? two? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a great piece of technology that just never got picked up in no, the states. I don't need. I don't need. No. No, I'm telling you. It makes you clean, Colin. Everything back there wow. can be squeaky clean. Like right now, I'm pretty sure it's not squeaky. Well, maybe yours because you're pretty. You're pretty anal retentive when it comes to your I am anal. anal retentive. You're very anal retentive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is a harder question to answer than I thought, but just because like I'm trying to go places where th- there's density of history. The only right. other, See, the only other answer I could possibly think of is the Vatican. That's oh. basically it. And because like mine was an Nintendo. That was next on my list. I yeah. would love to, and I have to be a fly that speaks Japanese. But it been yeah. around in like the the Nintendo boardroom or office, right? To see every, and I'm talking about from like you know. The beginning to now, like every decision when they originally bring in prototypes and yeah, they're talking about right. partnering with Sony. There are like certain that. when I, uh, I, 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 someone gave me the um, the making of Star Wars books, the mm. J.R. Rinsler books. Oh, those are they're, excellent. They're fascinating, and they've got a lot of great transcripts. And again, it's like these moments where this is like something where you'd, you'd be fascinated to be in the room. I remember I got a chill just reading it. So it's like it's George Lucas and Larry Kasdan and Richard Marquand, who's the director of Return of the Jedi, sitting around talking, just breaking the story, just figuring shit out. And 
they know that Luke has to have a lightsaber, right? Because he needs one in the story. Um, but we know that he lost it at the end of The Empire Strikes Back, right? Because it yeah. goes away, goes off with his hand. And so they're talking about trying to figure this out. Like, okay, we want to explain... We need, need him to have a lightsaber in this scene. Um, but how do we... How do we make sure that the audience doesn't get confused and go, well, like, I thought he lost that. Is that, is that the same one? You never got, you never get a good enough look at it to really see if it's a different design or whatever. And so, so uh, I think it was Kazan who said, like, well, why don't we just make it a different color blade? Like, why don't we make it green? And they went, okay, fine. And you go, oh, shit, that's the, like, and now <laughs> that was the moment where they decided that thing <laughs> yeah. that became p- a part of, you know, movie history that we all recognize. Yeah. And it's just guys sitting around a table just going, yeah, fine. Let's Whatever. That. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. See, the, the, that's question, awesome. the question's hard for me because I don't think there's one space because I th- feel like a lot of things that I'm interested in kind of move around. Like, th- this is the most Tim answer to any of this stuff, but, like, I would love to be a fly that isn't in one room but would just follow Bernie Burns around for the last 10 years. Mm. Like, there's so many questions. I Like, I'm such a fan of Rooster Teeth and all that stuff, but I'm also a fan of the business behind it all and to see how he, how he and, you know, all of his partners kind of um, created this whole space that we now have learned from and now we are doing. Yeah. But I would love to actually have been there and see all the, the ups and the downs that we obviously don't know and like to see how all that stuff happened and how, like what choices had to be made and like all those things. But that wasn't like a one space, you know, yeah. the Nintendo thing. I doubt there's like the Nintendo room. Exactly. There's not there's like just one. Hey, room. we're about to have some important conversation. Let's go to the room. Yeah, where's Mr. Nintendo? Let's get him in here. It'll be this whole thing. No, but just being He's in doing that... Let's Plays with Greg and Tim again. Get him out of there. No, but just being in that world during that time and era, right? Yeah. Like, where where everything was real, like, especially for Nintendo, where they were they were on the cutting edge of innovation, where they were about to revolutionize the market uh, by releasing the NES and making, making the idea of having a gaming console in your living room, like, or not having a gaming console in your living room, unfathomable for any kid, right? The second you saw that thing, you were like... I have to have to have this in my life, right? So understanding like what their marketing strategy was for that and how they were going to challenge Atari and how they were going to challenge some of the other, like the, the PC in the general. The that was the Sega Master System. Right, exactly. Uh, that would be, I mean, that would be fascinating, especially yeah. if you're a lover of games. Um, but yeah, Tim, I don't know. That'd be, yours is a weird, you, 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 you're global, man. I don't know. You're you're in a weird space. You're global. What? It'd be hard to pinpoint one place for you though. That's what no, I'm I know. Oh, Except yeah. maybe, maybe L.A., Circa ten years ago, when they were filming a little, so small film called The Fast and the Furious. You guys do need to do the oral history of the Fast. Well, and well the I mean, really, what it would be, it would be at the house. I'd want to just oh that house. Yeah. I would have wanted to it's be a real there house, for all right? of the barbecues. Yeah. Isn't that a real? House? I can only no imagine one? that real barbecues have taken place at that table. Do you think that for a rap Wait, party so they were I'm like, confused. let's are you just talking throw about a rap in the in? universe? Are you talking about at the filming? Are you talking about that house is real barbecues with just the normal people who live there? Well, I hope you know, Greg, that The Fast and Furious is actually. A documentary. Oh, that is a documentary. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. I'm sorry. So all it's those crazy. things are one of the same. I've got a good one. I'd like because you know we've all been you know apart from the toilet stuff we've all been very above board. I like the idea of being a fly on the wall like Rolling Stones tour bus like 1968. Oh, that is a just check that shit out because you know that would be crazy. Yeah, I feel like You'd that would, some shit. that one would be like you can't go back from that. You would see stuff and be like, I my life is so non-important and not exciting <laughs> in, in comparison to this that I just have to I gotta end it I'm done that would be fascinating any of those any of those big bands oh, in the 70s sure. would be awesome but yeah Rolling Stones specifically because you, yeah, know you know those cats partied oh, oh yeah. yeah they partied they hard. still party yeah. Gary Probably. what's mm. your topic oh I have to have a topic yeah oh I have yes yes of course <laughs> so um, you're a veteran of the show at this point <laughs> so last time I brought you some uh, English snacks. Right. 
right? Because you did Oreo oration, sure. and they said, well, perhaps you'd like to orate on some some of the snack you foods. You brought us the Jammy Dodger? Jammy Dodgers. Yeah. What else did we try? The uh, hobnobs. They were the hobnobs right? were the best. Hobnobs the what best. was the what was the big hit in the end? We tried Jaffa, I Jaffa cakes. He, you, I you, was playing the jammies. Yeah, you like the jammy Dodgers. Yeah. Jaffa cakes were successful. Yeah, right. They didn't blow anybody's yeah. hair back. Everybody but me really liked the cup of noodles or whatever the hell it was. Oh, the was pot noodle. That. Pot That's noodle. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I brought more. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Now I for the record, we don't selection. know what you've brought. No. I asked you earlier, so do you want to see what I've got? And you said, no, you, know, you want it to be a surprise. Big time. So whatever your reaction is okay. as we go forward is going to be a genuine thing. All right. Um, so, and now this is actually a little more elaborate than before. I've got some savory stuff, some that actually requires a little bit of preparation. Oh, okay. You want to then here, we'll, we're going to do a quick break, and Kevin's going to set it up, and then we'll, we'll, Kevin's just crossed the thing. But yeah. Well, we can actually, I mean, so we can, I've got a bunch of stuff that is just ready to go. Oh, okay. So we could start with did, that. And you know all the prep stuff you need to do? Toast and bread. You, uh, so, oh, but, look, yeah, if you no, don't, don't worry about the mic. Just, just when this is not a part of the thing, is it? It can be or it can't be. What well, do you want it, it to be? I would say just uh, toast some bread, enough for everyone, like a slice of bread for everyone. That's I brought, fine. I brought some Wonder Bread, and um, speaking Colin, and language. then just basically bring that box in here, that box of stuff. Okay, you don't want me to microwave that stuff. Don't. I don't think we need to do it yet. Okay. Got it. Upon introduction, we can microwave okay. this we, stuff. We might want to save yeah. that. We might actually we might want to, the microwave thing. We might want to save for last. Okay. Because it's the it's the most crazy. Yeah. Let's okay. do let's do this. You don't have any sliced cheese, do you? Like what kind of like cheese? Like craft cheese, just like slices of like squares. We probably of cheese. do. Yeah. Do you? Kevin, can you check our the craft? I'll look for the craft situation. I'll look right for now. the singles. Yeah, if you have any craft singles, that, that. not necessary, but if you have it, that would help. All right, I'm gonna fill my water. Should and I'll check let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's take, take a, a moment. I'll, <laughs> come out, I'll come out there and I'll help you with Kill the camera, Kevin. various bits. Don't break it. Okay. It's, it's not at all. What's up? Just do it. Okay, we'll do it. Just do it. Start passing them out, Nick. There you, go. there you go. Oh, yeah. Everyone gets their own plate. We're back. Thank you. And you've made sandwiches. Yes, it's British snack time. This yes. was a... My this favorite was snack time. Smells quite interesting. A, quite a popular segment, I thought, last time it I was It was. No, numerically, it was very popular. People did ask for more. Um, and so more you brought. I'm happy to oblige. Now, last time we limited it strictly to sweets, sweet yeah. snacks, chocolate, yeah. and you know candies and stuff like that. I'm that is, horrified. I'm that sorry. That is still that is still the majority of what I have for you today. Okay. I have another good selection. I think a lot okay. of stuff that I wanted to bring last time. A lot of things that people in response to the last show said, "Oh, you should have brought this or that." Yeah. Well, I've tried to bring some of those things again now, but we're going to open it up a little bit. We're going to start savory first. Okay. Now, we're going to start. Now, these are all things that I think are kind of great British classics. Oh, these are is, all great. You put these on. Well, are these on pot and noodle great? Oh, no, these, these are far more. These these go back into English, further back into English history than pot noodles. We'll see. King George now, has eaten these? We're going to start. And this is the, this will be, I'm going to start, yeah, this is kind of the hardest one and we'll get, it'll get easier. Okay. Oh, um, my God. There are, there are, in fact, a lot of English people that can't stand this stuff, but I'm a big fan of it. This is called Marmite. Marmite. I don't know if you've ever had it. There's an Australian version of it called Vegemite, which okay. I think is vastly inferior. Yeah, okay. This is technically yeast extract. I have no idea what the fuck that means. <laughs> no one's ever really asked the question. Okay. But it's, but typically what you do with it is you spread it on toast. Okay. And you have it for your breakfast in the okay. morning. Okay, So and you gonna, like this one? I personally do like okay. it. Okay. Now, they tell you when you first give someone Marmite to try... 
to spread it very, very, very thinly because a little goes a long way. That is cake time. It really yes. looks like you guys went <laughs> real thin on it. <laughs> you let Kevin do that, didn't you? I always thought a fun thing to do would be to tell people this is Nutella and let them oh. like really get into it. Um, so this is, you know, you're, you're going to go in on a deep end here. Okay. So here's a, t- this is Marmite on toast. Well, I'll take a bite together. together. On the last you segment, all, we uh, talked about Queen Elizabeth taking a shit. And, and yes. here it is. And you, now. You said, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have two slices left. Do you want a Do you want a piece of this? Well, there's no plate now, Kevin. Okay. Don't there's get no crumbs plate. everywhere, Kevin. All right. Yeah, Kevin. Seriously, we have we do now. Not, I, we have I, ants all over this goddamn house. I just <laughs> licked yeah. a, li- a little off my finger. Yeah. And so it's you're just already. just the dollop of it on my finger. Yeah. And my entire mouth is full of flavor country right now. Right. now so this do, is going to be fascinating. Do dive in and right. just take a good bite. How could you like this? That's a Marmite face right there. Why would Whoa. you? Oh, <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> it's got some kick. Mm. It's like, it's like a a Swanson's TV dinner Salisbury <laughs> oh, steak. God. That's why I like it. It's the juice That's of exactly the Salisbury like steak it. spread under the bread. It's not, you know what this reminds you me. You actually of like it? And here's why. When I was a kid. Growing up Italian, the tradition would always be, and I don't know if it was a tradition that I started or if it was just something that you felt universally <laughs> through all Italians. I don't like this. You're going to throw up. Is that, and Colin, you can back me up on this. It does taste a bit bile yeah. Is that at the end of every meal, there's always sauce on your plate. Sure. And yep. inevitably, you can't, let the, you can't let the plate go back to the dishwasher. You put a little cheese in it? You know, but I put a little cheese in it. But no, you take the bread and you sop yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so this reminds me of my mom's... She would make steak with a little bit of like steak gravy. Like she'd take the juice from the steak and put it and like it was very salty. And that would always be at the bottom of my plate. And then I would always take a piece of bread and stop that up. So yeah, I'm, I'm digging this actually. But this I'm is actually a vegetarian product. There's a meat-based version of it oh. called Bovril, which is even more hardcore. They should work on their names a little bit though, because like neither of those sound particularly appetizing. The catchphrase in the back, in your gravy, maybe? Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> the last the last big TV advertising campaign they did for Marmite a few years ago was giving it to people who oh. haven't tried it. And you go one way or the other. You either, you either love it or you make that face over there, that yeah. Marmite face. Yeah. God, that's a, I, I can't it's understand not liking this. Yeah, no, this is like it's a... no good. And I not like things. Not for me. I'm a big Greg, fan I'm of things. you're not a fan no. of you. Okay. <laughs> I actually like it. I'm not going to lie. I took another bite and it, it confirmed my You're suspicions. the only one that's gone in for a... Like Ke- well, Kevin's continued knocking bites. his out of the park. You Kevin, like yours? You oh, like? yeah, what's the verdict over here? It tastes like, like, it's gravy. A gravy, yeah. No, yeah. see, it does taste like that, but it tastes like bad that, and like too much that. It's ex... Yeah, it tastes it's like, like a fan of that. The aftertaste is... It's, it's very making me British. I'm getting an accent. <laughs> it tastes like if yeah, you like, cook... Uh, yeah, if you're that. cooking Thank steak you. on like a, uh, uh, a saucepan... The app, like the remnants of it, yeah. Well, sometimes you'll accidentally like scrape a little bit off and taste it, and it's super charred and mm. super salty. Yeah. That's what that tastes like. Yeah, so here's my thing. We'll take bread and do that with that. I love how my mouth tastes right now. This is good. The aftertaste of the aftertaste? this is real yeah, good. Yeah, the yeah, initial sure. bite can be overwhelming. It's a little. It's very overwhelming. It's, but the ingredients are bizarre. Have you? Did you look at the ingredients? Mm-mm. No, I, I refuse. Yeast to. extract, salt, carrot, and onion extract concentrate. I can taste the onion. Vitamins and then natural flavoring contains celery. Let me see, see? the vitamin well, I mean, I all those, this is like good for you. They though. all sound like things that would be good for you. It's not bad. It sounds, vitamins. The, all those ingredients sound vitamins sound good on their own. Today. You got twenty five percent folic acid. This is actually not the okay. Nice you gotta have your folic acid. This is the one that B12 is really scary. This actually got a lot of uh, vitamins this is, in it. If you can handle this, is like I said. This I consider this easier than Marmite. Okay, I hope so. Zero um, carbs. So this is something else that's very popular. This is this is known as Branston pickle. 
Oh, yeah, um, this is going to be good, I can tell. You may or may not like this. This is kind of a chutney. Um, if we uh, look at the ingredients, vegetables in variable proportions, carrot, rutabaga, onion, cauliflower, marrow, and gherkin. Sugar, barley, what malt vinegar. What the fuck is gherkin? It's a pickle. It's a pickle. It's a pickle. <laughs> That's another word for pickle. Yeah, now, I'll, what I'll, you I'll do is, typically, I'll set the scene for you. Sure. Sunday evening in a typical British household. It's around 5 p.m. It's tea time. You and the family settle down on the sofa to watch the Antiques Roadshow. Mm. <laughs> and you have and you make and you and the family enjoys with a nice pot of tea, cheese and pickle sandwiches. So the pickle part is the Branston pickle, and the cheese is just like sliced cheese, you know, like craft singles. That's which, what we, we which you've here. provided. Yeah. So I would just suggest that you just take a sandwich and take a take a good bite out of it. All right. It's, it's, gagging. Here's Come the thing. It's, it's chunky. Yeah. It's kind of savory. It's tangy. It's kirky. I'm a big fan. Again, you may not. My suspicion is this one will be more polarizing. I think one or two of you Gonna probably won't take more than one bite. I'm, one of you might like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. It's very, very I'm hoping divisive. I like this one. So go ahead. Kevin, right. do you want to have one of these? There's not. No, you have to have one. You well, have we can. And again, we have ants in this house. It smells good. Yeah, this one I'll give you a free smells one. Real good. It smells very right tangy. Now. now that you know that gherkin is a pickle, a fun thing to say is, were you jerking your gherkin? No, yeah. Oh, no, I've heard that before. You just didn't know what the gherkin was? I thought they were referring to my penis. Oh. Mm. All right, so cheese and pickle sandwich. Yeah, just take a take a good bite out of that one. Yeah, that's good. I'm all about this. That's real you good. like that one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no? <laughs> you want to give yours to Kevin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into it. So really, it's not that offensive. Nope, nope. Nope. So you're a one bite Greg, special. Oh Jesus Christ! Not Greg. a fan. Oh yeah, there's a fucking bite of a sandwich on top of another bite of a thing. Big deal, everybody. Grow up. Kevin, just, do you want this now? I would just say go in from the go in from the other corner. Go in from the ass and end. don't worry about. There you go, Kevin. The, you can come on camera now. Everyone knows. <gasps> oh, did you spit that out? I did. It's really oh, gross. Oh, that's the that's the first time I've seen you spit anything out. Yeah, that's what I was reacting. It's not to. A, it it's not offensive, but I don't I don't. So I'm, you know, here's my thing: is you know how my stance. On liquids and solids. That is a little bit too much of the mixture. Gotcha. Right. There's texture wise, it can can't be. Can you do the texture? That's well, why. I would kind of call that one right that we've got two fans. Yeah. And oh, yeah. three fans, in fact. This is another one of the aftertaste I don't mind. Right. I have an issue with this, should... though. There's, It's too much concentrated gherkin. Okay. Because I'm liking the outside, the, the, the rim of it. Yeah. Where it's the juice. I, get, I just get the juices in a little bit, but when I get too much of the. Do you feel stuff, that you're able to discern individual flavors in there? I mean, no. How do you feel about. <laughs> again, the texture is. I, I what, mean, no. <laughs> the texture is what has people either liking it or not liking it. It's, it's just kind of like a. Yeah, I'm done with it. Like a sauce, but it has these big, chunky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't do this. If texture. it were more of a puree, I think it would be easier to consume. Taste wise. It's not I didn't enjoy it, but I don't hate it. It's not. It's you not. You want to take a bite of yours? It's not. Crazy, haven't had a bite crazy Mite or whatever this thing was. Crazy Mite. Mm. No. See, I, should... I don't know how you can't like that. Oh, it's so good. That to me is flavor country. Mm. Mean... Like, it gets you. You know what it gets you like right there? Yeah. Like right in the taste. Right back there. Right yeah. in the taste buds. Right where you point to your tongue. I think that's how it works. But you feel that. You know when you eat something really tangy, you feel it? Yeah, yeah, Right in the gag reflex. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite place. All right. Well, you'd be glad to know that I think the difficult stuff's over. All right. Okay. Okay. So what was the verdict in the end? Marmite was pretty much a was not a hit. I'm going, right? back, to, I'm going back to this. You're going back to the. Oh, you're going back to the Marmite. Okay. I, it's just something about it. It's bold. I think 
I mean, it, I agree that it is not as offensive as yeah. Vegemite, but I find it similar, very similar, because I think it's the same kind of product, right? Yeah, it's not to be not, not terribly different. I ah. thought people liked Vegemite. I thought that was like... Oh, Vegemite's like a... I, I remember when Marmite, my, my, I think, is maybe a little sharper, a little more tart. I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, Vegemite I had for the first time in the 90s when my, my brother-in-law went to Australia and came back. Because I'm a huge peanut butter fan. He's like, well, this is what they spread on their bread over there. And I'm like, right. all right, I'll try. And I'm like, oh, like Could Jesus. not be more different than yep, peanut yeah. butter. Yeah, that's why. I, okay, so I had I didn't have lunch today. I just had a bagel. Yeah. And when I saw all these like sandwiches and stuff, I was like, all right, this is about to Uh-oh. be good. And I looked down. I saw that. I'm like, that looks like some jelly. I looked in. I saw. I was like, all right, I'm getting a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. With cheese. I got super stoked. I'm, I'm about to get some British peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I noticed there's cheese. I was like, mm. it's a weird, <laughs> pe- weird peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> then I ate it. I'm like, all right. I don't know about this. This pickled. Yeah. Still going mm. strong over here. Yeah, Kevin likes it. Kevin will oh, eat yeah. it. Kevin, yeah, Kevin is. You could cut open like a D battery. Kevin would eat it with a spoon. You could cut open a D battery. And Kevin would eat it with a spoon. All right, so, Gary, tracker. tell me. So, this is. This is still common today in, these your, are, in your mother country? These are absolute staples. Like, you would find these in almost any uh, British. Covered. So comparable like to peanut butter and jelly or something like that. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't necessarily say go go that far. Yeah. But no. Nothing is comparable to peanut butter and jelly. But I'm saying in terms of ubiquity. But but, but, but both of these, even within, um, the you know British society, these are very. Po- there are people that just can't stand either either of these things. Um, and they don't. Again, they. I don't think they. They're so unique and so very specific in their taste. That I don't think they travel particularly well like mm-hmm. it's fascinating to me to watch you try them and the, the fact that any of you liked any of it actually it was quite surprising i fully expect you to not like any of that stuff yeah which you know is of course why i enjoyed can you preparing torturing mm-hmm. us can you buy this in the states yes oh, these I'm are, I'm you bought these in the states right I'm I'm getting, yeah I'm, I'm I'm getting, getting both of these right? both of these actually came from uh cost plus world market i'm done i'm in oh uh, i feel i feel this one where it should have been a little thinner it should be it should be way way thinner. The marmite, that, yeah, the marmite because it, it's you, very. Pungent. I actually God, happen to have a spare jar of it. I would love to take that out. Thank you, sir. <laughs> now let me let me ask you a question real quick before we get any further into this. I feel because like I'm just going to put this on chicken. You have a taste. You have a taste of American. You have a taste of Britain, and you're very and you're very familiar with both. If you were going to play this game with your British friends, yeah, what oh. would you take from us? And be like, this is what they hear, and this is probably a little fucking weird, and the Americans are weird kind of. I never understood. I grew up reading Peanuts comics when they always ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I never understood that as a as a flavor combination, but obviously it's very much a staple here. Yeah. Um, I never there's there's a the thing is I've lived here for so long now that I I very Americanized in my taste. So a lot of things that I used to find off putting, I now like those things. So I'm not sure what I would. what I would take, to, what I, what I would show to English people to um, say, well, this is what Americans eat. Uh, I will say, oh, I just thought of a really, really good tip for you on this. Mm. So take a, take a little, like half a spoonful of that, and mix it in with some spaghetti sauce, mm. and it just adds just enough of a little kind of zing to the mm-hmm. spaghetti sauce. Fantastic. I'm gonna, I might try that. It's I great for. That. I mean, you know, putting it on toast is like kind of the root one way to eat it. But you can basically just take a little bit of it. You know, it comes. It's like a very, very thick, syrupy kind of paste. Mm. But put it in a sauce, put it in gravy or whatever, and it will melt down and mingle and, and, and mix with the sauce. And yeah. you, feel, you, can, you can feel how sharp it tastes, right? Mm-hmm. It's a really, really tart taste. But once you kind of melt it down and uh, and um, you know distill it a little bit, it'll add just just a nice little zing. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm, th- I'm legitimately thinking about putting this on chicken. 
and seeing what that tastes like as like as a seasoning for it. I'll let you know how that goes. I might actually put it on steak too. I'm cooking steak tonight. <laughs> So I'm, I might put this on top of it and just charge. Right. And so see what Greg, happens. nothing so far that you've liked. No. Okay. Well, except you, my favorite British oh. import. Well, we're gonna move Next into one. the into the sweet stuff now. All right. Now and we're talking. And it's gonna get a little bit easier. Um, this was something that I was specifically asked to bring on my last trip here. Mm. After the last trip, there's one of those things people said, "Oh, you got to bring blah blah blah." The next thing, these are these are called Tunnock's tea cakes, and they're actually Scottish. Um, but they've been around since 1890. So they gotta be good. So they've been around for a long, long time, and they're extremely popular. And I will tell you, the closest analogy to this is like, it's basically like a s'more. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But, in, but fully encased in chocolate. And it's kind of hard to explain Sold. it. But I will in, okay. I'm I'll invite this. you to, uh, just to kind of try. Now this is chocolate, right? Yes. Yeah, so so I'm gonna is, step out of this so one. This, this okay. one is not for you. I think there's six in a packet. My dad used to love. Oh, they feel here. they feel heavenly already. Oh, they're all, they're really there's light. enough. There's enough for everyone. So you don't have that plate, Kevin. <laughs> there you go, Kevin. I'm gonna take one as well. Now you've got a spare because Colin's not partaking. Oh, I might take this these, one to my wife. I am okay. confident that these will Please be a hit. And I just feel like if I try it, I know I'm not gonna like it, so I don't want to. You know, I don't want to. You're not a big chocolate fan. No, I don't like chocolate. chocolate. That's right. We went over this already. Kevin's nodding. Kevin's already mm, balls right. deep inside of this thing. <laughs> kind of a cross between a s'more and like a moon pie. Yeah, I'm definitely getting the moon pie vibes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Because the marshmallow inside is not quite as like chewy mm -hmm. as marshmallow normally is. That's real good. Yeah, these are real, real popular in England. These have been around like for a long time. I don't even think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't even think they've changed the design of the box. Like in a really long time. That looks like an old school box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Holy crap, that's good. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really good. A delicious biscuit base topped with marshmallow and covered with real milk chocolate. Mm. Now, I think the fascinating thing for me would be to see what they don't have. From Like, do they have Reese's peanut butter cups in the UK? Yes, but you have to go to, like, the American import section. To oh, so it's legitimately it. not... Like they don't get peanut butter is not huge in England, and it's certainly not a big part of the candy ingredient mix. Gotcha. Interesting. What about Doritos? You can get Doritos are uh, readily available. In fact, Cool Ranch Doritos are called Cool American. Shut up. In, yeah. 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 No way. Mm -hmm. That I've still. Oh, I have a little. little yeah, I got you. I got okay. you. Oh, here, the other side too. I okay. like that a lot. Thank you very Good much. Good job, Greg. Good job. You wrote Star Wars, goddammit. Someone's got to take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the Tonics tea cake. That was really good. That that was really good. good. I, I'm interested in how that would taste without the marshmallowy stuff, though. If it was just the biscuit and the chocolate. Well, the marshmallow is most of the I know. volume yeah. of it. I get that. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I feel like that was a little... It would be like I'm not a better the moon pie like a hobnob. Part. Hmm. We're going to move on to something a little, a little trickier. Uh -oh. Excited about the marmite. Have you ever had... Um, have you ever had Turkish Delight? No, I've read about it in a little book called The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. My God. Well, Turkish Delight is a particular kind of jellied confection, which is, you know, originally from Turkey. It's very... Oh, you got to talk it's closer. Kevin's yelling at me. Very, uh, very popular. But basically, they, t they, they created a very kind of consumer-friendly version of it, which is called Fry's Turkish Delight. It's a little candy bar like that. It's basically Turkish Delight covered in chocolate. Mm. And the reason I bring it... This is like... This has been around ever since I was a kid in England. Like it's not 
super popular. It's not like Snickers, but it's always there in the candy aisle. Oh, okay. And there's nothing else quite like it. So it's like so, a Milky Way. No one's actually buying it. It's just kind of there chilling. I guarantee you, if you've never had any kind of Turkish delight before, you've never had anything like this. Okay. But I really like it. When I'm in the mood for something like different, this is always what hits the spot. Now, I only have three of these, so you're going to have to split them up. Okay. okay. But I'm happy to... to um, you obviously won't be... Partaking. You split one with him and I'll split one with Nick. Okay. And then Kevin can have a whole. <laughs> Ready? And that one you can split. All right. You're not going to go hungry tonight, Kevin. This is one where I actually got enough for everyone, but I ate two of them. <laughs> Surprisingly heavy. Mm-hmm. It is a thick bastard. Right. Well, oh, oh, yeah. not for you. Nick, just come here and bite, bite off oh, your half. Mm. Yeah, see, this is not mm. one that I would like. Yeah. It's just a consistency. It's kind of like a jelly. I'm not a fan of the jelly. Mm. This one's what not does popular? it remind me of that I don't like? An undercooked jelly bean. What <laughs> the fuck, Greg? <laughs> I don't know. It tastes like an undercooked jelly bean. Oh, no, so I'm I getting like the... licorice. I'm getting uh, shades of licorice. I like the flavoring of it. I'm actually it. surprised this is not more popular with you guys, because I really like mm-hmm. this one. No. Jelly bean, that's what it reminds me of. But you know what I mean? There's nothing else. Like, you've never had anything quite like that, right? It's unique. In, in the candy pantheon, it's unique. Well, it, really tastes, like, no, it tastes like a bunch of the flavors of jelly bean that I like least surrounded by chocolate. So when I first bit into it, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that says all needs to be said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that fucking Peter kid in line was right, so doing. Turkish delight is a no. I'm gonna. Anytime we have something that is that's not hugely popular, you're gonna come back with something. I'm coming back with something that I know you'll like. Right, something right, that's I very like user that. friendly. Now, bring back. You want to talk Dodge. about something that is like really, really popular? With this is one of those. Again, you want to talk about staples like every English cupboard mm-hmm. or pantry or whatever is gonna have one of these. This is called a penguin. I love penguins. Doesn't actually not actually penguin flavored okay. or anything. It's just <laughs> made of penguins. Just the, just the branding. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is just a very simple cookie biscuit. It's, there's oh, okay. nothing spectacular about okay. it. But this, again, this is like a basic cornerstone. Okay, I got you. I got and you. they're very. Thank you. I actually just introduced these to my wife just yesterday. Oh, there's and two she in the package. Loves I see where it is. Perfect. You give me one. Yeah, I get the other. So the, these ones is actually oh, plenty. Nope, there's I'll enough lie. for everybody. It, yeah, <laughs> not what I thought. When you said a basic biscuit, <laughs> I thought it was going to be just a plain a cookie. But it's also. Oh, no, it's a chocolate covered cookie. I got one for you over here. Defiling everything with chocolate. So I'm a big. Already the packaging I'm a big fan of because you got the blue, I got the pink. This penguin is skiing on flat ground. So got a yellow he knows cross country up. skiing. Yeah, oh. he, yeah. He's doing little. Yeah, there's a reason why these are popular. I'd be interested to know what you think would be the closest American analog here. Oh, a Kit Kat maybe. This is good. Mm. Very good. Can't go wrong with the penguin. Oh, Tim's going to a, like a whole other place. I'm trying to close my eyes and imagine what this reminds me of, because it's something specific. I agree, it's there. It reminds me of ice cream. God damn, I was gonna say the same thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it tastes like chocolate ice cream. Yeah. Which mm. is right now making me realize mm. that chocolate ice cream doesn't taste like chocolate. It tastes like its own thing, which is this. That's deep. Yeah. It's true, okay. It's true, Tim. That is Very deep. True. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know, but I like this a lot. Good. I'm glad mm. that one is. Um, that was good. It's rich. It's rich, I said. That one's like entry level, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no one's gonna eat a penguin and go, 
that's not to my taste. Because yeah. what's not to like? Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. straightforward. It's not like the Turkish Delight or Marmite or something. There's like anything weird going on. Turk- Turkish Delight, it, once you bite into it, it all it's, it feels like you've been pranked. Like the candy company ran out of real candy and they just made these little gelatin blobs and covered them in chocolate and sold them to you. Similar to the time on the Cosby Show when Cliff ate a piece of cake and then filled it back in with the frosting on top. Rest in peace. I know we can't talk about it anymore in a positive sense. The Cosby Show, but I'm putting it out there. <laughs> yes, now now known to be one of his lesser crimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, what's the next candy? <laughs> this, is, this is one. I specifically was looking for like a few things that Colin could also partake in because he doesn't eat chocolate. And there's really not that. There wasn't a ton of stuff out there. I haven't actually had these in years myself, but these are, again, very popular when I was a kid. And again, these are just like a basic staple. These are called Garibaldi biscuits. <laughs> Gary Baldy biscuits. What was so funny about that? Gary Baldy. Gary Baldy biscuits. It sounds funny. There's too many games. These are just. (laughs) (laughs) These are just. And I'll have to translate for you. Golden crispy biscuits, cookies. Yeah. Filled with currants, raisins. Uh-oh. So this is kind of like, this is not going to be... Craig's face. Craig's not happy with this. I'm not mad. It's just I don't, you don't hear about cookies being filled with raisins too often. That's not true. We have, we have, cook, we have things like that. We have the Fig Newton. We have things like that. Well, that's not filled with raisin, though. That's no, that's I fruit know, cake. That's a different thing. Give that a try. Thank you. See, I will say I'm a fan of raisin bread. I like that it's the flat. cereal. Hey, yeah, can you, it's flatbread. You know what I mean? Bro, I haven't had one of these in like 20 years. I can years. see eating this at Passover. Mm. I like that. You know, I'm fond of that. Mm-hmm. The, the the currants give it a chewiness, yeah, mm-hmm. which I like. This tastes like raisin bread in cookie form. I'm yes. happy with that because yeah. I like raisin yes. bread. Yeah, if they, would, exactly if they, were, if they like. were to brand extend mm-hmm. raisin bran into a cookie into form, into a cookie, that's probably what this. they come up with. And I like that because I feel you like raisin bran gets a bad rap. This is I taking agree. me back to watching <clears throat> Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, the TV show. And what I used to get, my mom used to get me from the grocery store, were basically, it was it was a Mexican delicacy. A a wafer flattened with then honey currants in it. You know what I mean? Like honey right. things in there, and then like you press and you ate it and it tastes like this. Not my fault. Yeah. Right, right, right now, the chief is talking to some gumshoes. Some kids clearly not Who's getting. your favorite villain? Double Trouble was my favorite. Double Trouble is a really good one. <laughs> That's one of those shows I haven't watched in a long time. Did you ever hear this? Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? It was a big U.S. thing. Yeah, of course. She was a fucking when I when mass I first moved, when I first moved to America in 1996. Literally, I, I was crashing on my friend's couch before I had a place of my own, and it was like one after weekday afternoon. I turned on the TV, and what was on TV? Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Which had, if you remember, had that great theme song by Rock Capella. Oh yeah, yeah, incredible. I love that she show. Goes from Nashville to Norway and yeah. back. That was a that was a fucking killer show, man. I was, I was, when I was young, I'm like, I could fucking easily win this show. Get me on this fucking show. And we, we just. Betty Ann wouldn't let you. No, no. She like, wouldn't fight you. I would fucking sign. house people on this show. Let me on it. That's how I felt about it. Let's be the hidden temple. <laughs> All right, so that was kind of like, eh, right? It was good. Yeah, it, was, it was playing Jane, it. but I liked it. It reminds me of Raisin Bran in every way, in the sense that, did I like it? Sure. Would I rather Frosted Flakes? Of course. But it also has a kind of like particle board. Sawdust kind of yeah. like well, you so know. Well, so raisin bran. So yeah, these are very chilly. You find these in like the cheap end of the aisle in the, in the supermarket. They're not luxury cook. It's not. It's no you know, individually wrapped yeah. in foil tunnock's tea cake. All right, so I'm gonna do. I've got two more things. 
One, I, I guarantee you, you will love, <laughs> okay. which I'm leaving to the end. Okay. Cool. It's not spectacular. I just know it's, it's a Ain't solid. A note. It's a solid double up the middle, maybe even a triple. Mm. Could even Baseball be a homer. Oh, wow. okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to put it in language you'll understand. No, I, understand pretty, I appreciate now, that. This isn't super. This isn't like necessarily super popular, but it must be because again, it's been around since I was a kid, and sure. I'm still able to get them today. Okay. This is called a Caramac. Oh, I'm gonna like this. I now. Think. You might be interested to try this because it's cho- it's not really chocolate. Okay. It, it's like I never really figured out what the fuck this is. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not milk chocolate. It's not white chocolate. It is, as you'll discover. I'll, I'll unwrap one here. Mm. It's kind of weirdly mm. in between. Oh, it has yeah. this kind of beigey thing going on, right? So what is that? I don't know. So this is interesting. Before you even open it up, it reminded me of a Nestle Crunch. Bar, right? It's made by then Nestle. you open it up, and it remind me of a Nestle Crunch bar. What it remi- I mean, what it looks like is like like we're on Saved by the Bell, and we can't afford real like there's no real product placement, <laughs> right. so they made a the Caramac fake, candy. The fake, the fake candy. Oh, Zach's got to sell these for a ski trip. <laughs> but he tricks Screech. Why do you sound so angry all? about it? You <laughs> sound like really upset about it. These down Screeches. I don't need to open it up. <laughs> this open one it. is very much like. I never quite figured out what this is or how. I, I know I like it, but it doesn't taste like anything that I've ever. Right, so I'll be interested to hear what you what you make of it. Yeah, let's try a little piece. Try a little piece. Won't kill it. No, I piece for you over here. Hmm. Hmm. That's like, really what good. What is that? It reminds me of. Do you ever get like pure white chocolate bars? Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. It's closer to white chocolate than it is. Chocolate. I think to anything chocolate. else. Yeah. So it's, it, to me, it's it it tastes like caramel flavored white chocolate. That's and I think that's where the caramel. Part yeah. of it comes yeah. from, right? That's so good. Do you Karen... like that? I'm taking it home for her. Okay. Yeah, have this more. one. Oh. Yeah, we so, earlier I was saying this reminded me of Crunch Bar. I remember in the 90s there was a white chocolate Crunch Bar. That's what this is. It is just a repackaged Crunch Bar. So it's basically yeah, car- caramel-flavored white chocolate. That now that I think it's actually not that difficult to define, that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. What's Caramel-flavored white chocolate. What's funny about eating anything with chocolate in it, because like I, I'm not, again, I don't find chocolate that offensive. It's like I eat it, and I'm like, I just don't like it. You know, it's never yeah. like it's never a thing where I'm like, oh. Like I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna what do you throw think of it? It tastes just like sweetened condensed milk. Huh. Oh, Interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a good reading. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, do you well think done, if Kevin. we melted it down and drank it, it would be just as good? It'd be as healthy for you, probably. Now, this is the final that's one. So this funny. is the possible home run. At least a triple. Wait, but there's one more, isn't there, after this? There's one more thing. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. I'm going to happily... I'm gonna, we've got a couple of little things. We've got a tonic tea cake and a penguin that's left over. You guys can fight over those after the show. Uh-huh. Um, so, the people who make <coughs> Tunnock's tea cakes, you'll notice here it says, Have you tried our milk chocolate caramel wafers? Mm-hmm. Well, now I we're about to have to. them. Oh, yeah. Now, if you want to talk about an old yeah. package. Yes, look, look at the old package. Like yeah, that's like a, yeah, totally what they think a, a kid would look like in the 1920s. These I think, comics. If I had to have guessed, if I had to guess anything that. You would, would be a hit with you. Yeah. It would be it would be a toss up between the Tunnock's tea cakes, which I love, or indeed the Tunnock's real milk chocolate caramel wafer biscuits. Okay, these so, so Tunnock's, are fantastic. Tunnock's is really the 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 common thread. Then it's just they're they're on top of their game. They're the Nestle. Yeah. Well, there is the Nestle. Oh, Nestle put out caramel. I was a fan of them. Again, this is chocolate, so no, it's okay. Thank uh-huh. you though. I'll give you each one of these. Gotcha. I already like the feel of it. It's hefty for well, sure. I'll toss one over to you. Sure. All right. you. I'll also pop. Actually, this oh, is another one I've had in a real long see. time. Oh, I, think I already it, like this, this a, a lot. This is a real yeah. big wafer. I think you're going to like these. Let's put that bad boy in. Uh-oh. The oh, yeah, wafer sounds so nice. Yeah. 
Oh my god, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a little put off for how big I had to open my mouth to get it in there. You get, you it was like too, it was, yeah, I do. But it was a little too much to handle initially. But then the taste. It's hit. uncompromisingly geometric, right? It's just yeah. a, just a straight up rectangle. It's, a, it's yeah, and it's like you need, you need to kind of use some force to get in there. But once it's in there, indeed. Mm. Now here's what I like about these. Mm. Most of the time, when you get the wafer, it's too light. So for as for how big it is, you bite in, you're like, I'm not getting enough substance. Oh, out you're of getting this. substance out of this. No, this is this just substantial, substantial wafer. Colin yeah, and I were the caramel inside the other day. That the adjective doesn't get thrown around enough is girth. <laughs> this is a girthy. This is a girth. This has some good girth. I feel like the ratio between the chocolate, the caramel, and the wafer is like just scientifically dead on. Oh, it's, it's spot on. It's it's perfect. That's good. That's right. Um, I'm disappointed in just studying the packages. Is on Tonic's uh, tea cakes. It says, "Have you tried our milk chocolate caramel wafers?" But nowhere on the caramel wafers does it doesn't send you the other way. Right. Well, I think what they're assuming is. You know, their measure of a thing is like, have you tried drinking water? So, you know, like, <laughs> everyone knows you don't need to be directed towards Tonic's tea cakes. This is the okay, this is the lesser known. Okay, fair enough. Product. I'm sure their data plays that out. And you notice here they make a point of saying still original size because over the years, candy's gotten smaller. These Things sons like the Cadbury's cream eggs, they 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 inch them down just ever so slightly every year, and they really? until what you don't notice. Yeah. Until one day somebody does like a YouTube video and they tell what. Here's a penguin from like 1980, and here's one today. And you go, holy shit, it's like half the size. They have proudly stuck with the original size. Yeah. Stupid Ministry of Health over here. They're really good. Get out of my affairs, um, Prince Charles. And that boy is stoked on the fucking. He's happy. On the you package. guys are all done. Yeah. Um, just as a final, because I really don't want him around the house. I'm trying to lose a bit of weight. I have sure. an extra box of hey! tea cakes. Oh, yes. Nick's face there was awesome. Well, Which, here's uh, why, here's why I'll happily know. donate to you. You just made my wife happy. I'm going to take a couple of these home for her. Every time we do one of these things, well, she you have seven, you see? Perfect. Now, oh, Christina will want one of these, too. No, no, no I'm not going to take seven of them home. Six. I just want to make sure. And I've got three more of these, too. I'm, you, you didn't eat, yeah. I'm grabbing one of those guys. I'm grabbing one of those. <laughs> this is fucking good. Um, Every, yeah, the last fight, famously, the last time you showed up, we had a bunch left over, and my wife. Uh, actually made herself some tea and ate all of all of the cookies that we had left over from last what time. What did you have left over last time? I want to say... Hobnobs? We had hobnobs, which I brought home. What were the ones that were like kind of caramelly? Um, they were like... I want to say they were like... I, I can't remember. What but oh, I took them all thing. home. She ate them all. All of them. It was like one of each of whatever we had tried. And she was like... She does this thing where she just makes a, a nice big cup of tea and just goes, one bite, tea. One bite. Do you think she would like tea. these? She's going to love all of these. Mm. I know right now. Like She'll love this. She's not a huge marshmallow fan, but I'll tell her just to bite into it and be quiet anyway. Um, <laughs> and then she's probably going to love this. But she's specifically going to love that penguin. That penguin's oh, yeah. got to come home. Yeah. <laughs> one last that's, penguin. That's that. And then I'm just going to surprise her with this. And that you're going to put on that. your steaks and chicken. There's still yeah. so much more that I want to bring you, but well, when you, I went on my, shop- back. When I went on my shopping trip, it was actually hard to find some stuff. So what I'm going to do is like just as I find it, I'm just gonna grab it and put it, you know, in a box. Because none Perfect. of this goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly no worse Not than it already is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the, what was the, the the standout for you? What was the highlight for me? It was the tea cake. The Tonics tea cake. I like this. Tea I, cake. I, I, that, but, I mean, that I, I would stake my reputation on that. I think I'm going with the penguin. I got to give a shout out to the penguin, but yeah. this thing, man, <clears throat> this is the one I wanted another of right away. <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't even save it. <laughs> you Jesus, went right into really right it. If you now, if you had to take it all together, yeah. And incorporate what you tried last time with the hobnob still 
rule the roost? I think so because I would I would eat hobnobs on a regular basis. Right. The fact that this is like a, a s'more all in one, it makes yeah. you question like oh, I shouldn't be eating s'mores every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which yeah. which one was the? It tasted like a hobnob, which was sort of biscuit based, but it had chocolate on top of it. Oh, you, that was the chocolate digestive. That's the one I liked the most. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Can, it kind of had. Almost a sticky consistency when yes. you broke it off. That's the one I took home. My wife, I think, liked the hot nose, but I brought a couple of those for myself. Or was it a toffee pop? I don't remember if I bought no, it. We didn't have toffee it was the digestive. Well, toffee pops is one is... of the things I want to bring you next. Okay. okay. I'm gonna it's it's become harder because they've passed these bullshit laws now, like Nestle and these other guys don't want you to realize that American chocolate is inferior. So they won't let you import this stuff anymore. Mm. It's getting harder and harder to bring it in. Like the stores that would bring it in and sell it on to you, you know, at a at a marked mm-hmm. up price. That's kind of it's illegal now, okay. And so it's harder and harder to find this stuff. They they just want you to eat like the the inferior Hershey's branded version of the same product. Like if you go out and buy Cadbury's Dairy Milk, that's not real Cadbury's Dairy Milk here. It's made by the Hershey Company and it's shit. You got to find the imported, the real Cadbury's stuff. Yeah. You can always tell the difference because it's the stuff that. Um, Every sentence begins. Has, oh. It has like a. It has like. I was a, about to um, say you made it this whole episode. <laughs> It has a different kind of label on the back, which, um, like, see here? See where they've stuck over a different label? Because the label underneath this doesn't, is a British label that doesn't conform to the USDA nutrition fact guidelines. Mm -hmm. So after they've imported it, they've stuck this label over it to make it legal or whatever. So if you're ever looking for, like, the real imported shit, always look for the label that they stuck over the existing one. Gotcha. And that's how you know. Good pro tip from Gary. All right. For anyone who's out there looking for this stuff, we turned on quite a few people to this stuff last time, I think. I bought it. I a started buying it at the store. pictures to you and me of like Jaffa cakes and hobnobs and things that they'd found at the store. Right. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Um, I, I, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. Well, we're not giving you your outro yet. I was thanking you for the cookies and everything else. Oh, okay. Well, you're welcome to those too, of course. Thank you very I'm glad much. there's a little bit left over as well like there was last God. time. Me too. Gary. Yes. Did you know that this topic was brought to you by Squarespace? I didn't, but I'm thrilled to hear that. And that's a real thing, because you use Squarespace just like we do for your site, right? I'm not even making this up. It's actually just a really cool coincidence in that, yes, I decided the other day, that I not the other day, but sometime last year, I wanted to redo my website. I used to own GaryWitter.com, and I let it lapse, and it got taken over by a Japanese vacuum cleaner site. That is awesome. Which I actually thought was kind of cool. <laughs> You're the literal Mr. Sparkle. That sucks. <laughs> I thought I should just let that ah, stand. I see Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. He said that sucks. Oh, I see. See, it's a play on words. I thought I should just let that stand, and then that that lapsed, and it was just a dead domain. So I got the domain back, and I thought, well, if I have it, I should at least do something. Mm -hmm. But I have no idea how to do websites, and there's all these sites these days saying, like, you know, we'll just, like, make it super easy for you. And I can't remember even how I heard of SquareQuest, but I did. But I actually built, like, a decent-looking website on my own, and I'm clueless at this stuff. So I can... We were the same Realistically way. Realistically endorse Squarespace. Kindoffunny.com is on Squarespace mm-hmm. as well, too. Nick didn't know what the hell he's doing. Exactly. Still, Still doesn't. He, Still he, have no yeah, idea. I think he, he does different things. Uh, you can build sites that look professionally designed, regardless of skill level, just like mm-hmm. us. There's no coding required, and there's intuitive, easy-to-use tools. Uh, Squarespace is state-of-the-art technology powering your t- site to ensure security and stability. It's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world, like Kind of Funny and Gary Witta, the vacuum company. Uh, it starts at $8 a month, but you can get a free domain if you sign up for a year. So what you guys need to do when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, go over there and make sure to use the offer code kind of funny to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And of course, Squarespace, thank you for sponsoring this episode. And thank you, Gary Witter, for coming by, period. I'm, I'm, like I said, I always enjoy it here. I love talking to you guys. It's always fun to see you try the, 
the snacks. Like I said, I'll try and bring back a, 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 a even more interesting and varied selection next time. All right. Everybody go buy Abomination. I think we cleared it off the table in some way. It's a book. They, yes. Get, get, get it's right over there. Kevin. Kevin's on the move. You don't break anything, Kevin. Don't, make, oh, don't get it sticky. One moment it's of sticky. shameless plugging. This is signed. It's out now. I signed this one, so these you, guys you will help go to the contest. Kindoffunny.com slash forum. Go over there and you get it. But only one of you can win this, so the rest of you have to go to Amazon and right. buy it. The link is in the description of this video. Kevin, make a note to do that. Look at him do it. Look at him crack two. Uh, you have a Star Wars film coming out. People should see that. Yeah, Star Wars Rogue One comes out uh, December 16th next year. That's awesome. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you're doing a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure you'll be back to promote that when, when you do that, right? No doubt. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, this has been the Game Over Greggy Show each and every week for sometimes five best friends gather on this table. Each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny. Throw us a few bucks and you get every episode early. If you don't have any money, it's no big deal. Starting on Monday the following week, youtube.com slash kindoffunny has it broken out topic by topic, day by day, until we post the entire show for free as an MP3 and video. Gary, I love you. This has been a great episode. You did really it. good. Always, always enjoy coming here. All right. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. You got the bacon, you got the hard boiled egg. Sometimes they toss some guacamole about in that. there. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I tend to keep the blue cheese off, though. Not because oh, I don't like I the blue, blue cheese. cheese too. I like the blue cheese too much. You come a hair towards me, Gary, and we'll get Colin a hair closer to oh, you. Me. Want me, where do you want me over here? Just a little bit closer to me. Yeah. Just come this way. There you All go. Right. No, towards me. Come here. And you can get in you here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Really? Yeah. This is, I mean, we're definitely inside my comfort zone. Well, then I'm just saying, I want to call I'm mine too. I got a whole bunch of people with great comfort zones. You can split the difference. You can go. You can split the difference. Put all this at the end of the podcast. Let them know how the sausage gets made. The English sausage. You can drop down Gary's mic a little bit, Kev. Because it looks like it's covering his entire face. All right, let's, uh, how's that? I don't know how that sounds. sounds okay. Sounds good, Brady. good, good. I love that you don't have to wear podcasts on this, uh, I mean, sorry, oh, headphones that's... on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. We should, but. I have to do that on Sabbath. It's just really annoying. I know. I feel We're like so as long as you've got, like, one to. person wearing them, and can. that's all you need. Somebody's testing. Somebody's What's fun is looking. that Kevin actually, uh, if anything goes wrong, we just blame it on him anyway. It's his fault. Well, it's right. always his fault, yeah. Because so he's the only one that's the responsibility for the He's show. the sin eater in this group. Sin Similar to the sun eater that I've been talking about so yes. much lately. Yes. Nice. Good so job. Wait. We have time for the game. We'll talk about this yeah, okay. okay. All right. I read Endgame last night, hmm? but I missed one comic, so I was like, that was a really weird ending. <laughs> and I told him, Greg's it was like, like you, you don't have idiot. the ending, you need to buy the ending. I told him that before he took the books. He did. Wait, you read what? Batman Endgame. Oh, that's all you read? You didn't read the other ones leading up to it? No, should have probably. They reference a lot of the roughly 34 books that came before it. So, yeah. They do.